Guys, it's almost here. It's almost spooky season. I'm having a lot of fun. We had a big Halloween party last night. We'll talk about it, all that stuff. But I've been having kind of a rough day, honestly, around here. Um, there's been this demon baby that's just been like hanging around my house. Oh, yeah? Somebody, ha- leave, somebody leave that after the party? <laughs> somebody must have left a demon, a god dang old demon baby around here after the party. And it's just like... I'm kind of hung over. I'm tired. I don't want to deal with it. Uh, so it's kind of frustrating. But I know eventually I'm going to have to, you know, address the hell if infant in the room. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> it goes to a very spooky mini soda. Halloween is forever. I'm Brian. I'm Steve. <laughs> hell uh, infant in the room. It's like an elephant in the I, room, but it's a hell infant. I know. In the just, room. Like your first, you didn't th- see it coming, and you're mad because it was too clever for you. <laughs> I don't know about all that. I definitely didn't see it coming, but it's just like I know. I don't the know, look on your face was of just pure apathy. <laughs> because also, you like I don't know. I felt like you maybe didn't hit the delivery the first time <laughs> no, because I botched it. Because botched no one's it. told that joke ever, ever. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So, so Guys, let's just I'm hell, just, did I hell infant? Is that what I wanted to say? Hell infant in hell the infant. room. And I kind of second guessed myself. <laughs> yeah, wasn't great delivery, guys. Pair with us. We, you know, had a little Halloween party last night. This, if if you're listening to this on the day it came out, comes out, it is Monday. Guys, get ready. It's it's what we call around here uh devil's night. Or mischief mm-hmm. night, some people call it. Some people call it cabbage night. I don't know what the fuck that means. Uh, basically, tonight's the night where you really get down to some serious Satan worshiping. All the spoopy shit, you know, your hocus pocusing and your your TikTok spooky desserts and cocktails. All that stuff's out the window. Now we're down to brass tacks. We're here to do a couple of things. We're here to worship Satan. Right. We're here to do, you know, honor his infernal majesty. We're here to do crimes, sex magic, all the real deal stuff for Halloween. This is fucking crunch time. This is like point of no return here, guys. But um, we did have a Halloween party. We're recording this uh, on on Sunday, the day before it comes out. And Saturday night had a big old Halloween party over here. And uh, oh, boy, howdy. I drank a whole bunch, a whole bunch of, uh, of of beers and some whiskey and no water. And as we were discussing when it got on, you know, before we started recording here, um, my piss looks like maple syrup, I think. And I got to go to the hospital. Um, yes. Yeah, we were we were we were hitting it. We were hitting it pretty late into the evening. Right. Yeah. yeah we had to be we had to be going until after midnight, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, the party kind of wrapped up around 1230. And I tell mm-hmm. you. I, I, on my way home, I for sure had my, uh, like belief in the devil renewed because yeah. I tell you what, I'm driving home, it's dark, mm-hmm. spooky night and yeah, guess, yeah. guess what comes on the radio? What came on? Good old Dracula. Dracula. It's Dracula. It's fucking Dracula. Burning through, burn through the witches, <laughs> digging through the ditches, burning through the witches all the way home. I love to hear it. Um, yeah, it was, it was great. The weather held out for us and I'll tell you what. I woke up, yeah, 12, I think we were partying until about 1230. That's when kind of, you know, party broke up. I mean, it did start at like four. So, and like I said, I was drinking since about one. 
And then, uh, you know, everybody's kind of went home and stuff. It was, you know, we're old. So 1230 is pretty late. But then I was up for probably another good two hours after, you know, cleaning everything up, getting the, mm-hmm. I hate waking up to a mess. Yeah. So like, you know, clean the whole damn place up, drinking some more. And uh, then I woke up at about 3.30 with a pound and ass headache, and it was storming like a son of a bitch. Yeah. Spooky, dark, stormy, windy, thundering and lightning like crazy. So we just dodged a bullet there. So we had some good weather. Had a little bonfire, you know, drank some beers. You had some had some, had some laughs playing grab ass. So it was fun. But yeah, your boy is, your boy is tired and still, you know, at least vaguely hungover at this point. Makes sense. There we are, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's what Halloween's all about. Yeah, I, I, I too was up. I was still up at like three thirty. Yeah, just, I was. I was watching my cozy murder mysteries. Oh, uh, you know, sure you were. And then Columbo and uh, I'm actually on Midsummer Murders right now. But you know, I was I was doing <laughs> Midsummer Murders. Murder she wrote right after that. Right. Yeah, pretty much. And then like yeah. out, of, out of no fucking where, just thunder a thunderstorm at three a.m. on in October. I was like, oh, is that the devil? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I know. I thought the the, de- the the good old devil was just rap, rap, rapping at the door, but made for a nice spooky end to the night. So, yeah, uh, but here we are. Like I said, we got to get to get our electrolytes in us. Let's get our you know, let's start drinking blood. Let's start praying to Satan, doing all the things we need to do because it's devil's night. We got to wrap this this Halloween spooky season up with a bang. And we are going to do it in a very appropriate way, I believe, because on this here mini so we're going to talk about uh, a brand new flick that's getting a lot of attention, a lot of people talking about out there. Uh, it's called uh, When Evil Lurks, you guys. Um, we're going to talk about that here in a hot second. Did a little limited you know, theatrical release, I believe. And then uh, just released a few days ago here on the shutter, which is where I watched it. Didn't get a chance to get out the theater. One didn't see it in the theater, but it's like the pl- closest theater was playing. It was like an hour away. I was like, having a party, got to get the house ready. Ain't got no time for that. So did it on the old shutter. But before we get into this movie, we got a whole bunch of other shit. We got to get out of the way. <clears throat> First of all, Probably some new listeners. It's it's the week of Halloween. Halloween's in the name of our podcast. So we probably got a whole bunch of thousands and thousands of new people listening to our voice for the very first time. Welcome. Uh, thanks for listening to the old Halloween's Forever podcast here. If you like the show, you want to continue listening, do, our, do, do us a dang old favor right now. If you're driving, again, take your eyes off the wheel. Both hands on the phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just let Jesus take the wheel. Um, open up your podcast app, do a little like, follow, subscribe, hit the plus sign at the top, whatever. So, you know, when we have some new episodes coming out, we do spooky, ooky, uh, mini sods or, or, or once a month, a full on showdown episode, which we'll talk about here in a second, every dang Monday, every Monday, spooky, ooky shit weekly on the internet. We also got some other fun stuff to talk about here. Uh, but if you like the show, you've been joining us throughout this spooky season, or maybe you listen to us for a long old time. All you got to do, go down. If you want to help out the show. Go to the show on your podcast, you know, app or whatever the hell you use. Scroll down to that rating system. Maybe it's stars or whatever the hell it is. Give it the max amount of stars. And then you got to write a little something. Say like, hey, I like this here podcast. Something super easy like that. And that helps a lot. Gets the show in front of some new eyes. And like I said, this time of year, that's a big deal for us because we got a lot of new listeners this time of year. Um, Also, if you do that. And you want to send us a uh, a little DM on the social medias? You go to at Halloween is forever on uh, on Instagram or, or or on Twitter or whatever the hell you know. We got TikTok, we got all that stuff. You go on there, shoot us a little DM, say, "Hey guys, I reviewed your show. 
like the podcast, I'll send you some dang old Halloween is forever stickers in, in the mail. I'll send it right to your dang house. So, yeah, do all that stuff. We appreciate it. If you like the show, thanks for joining us. Now, let me explain what we do that special first Monday of every month, what we call a showdown episode. We get a guest on here, and it's me, and it's Steve, and a guest, and we do a little three-way match, right? What we do is about a week ahead of time, maybe two weeks ahead of time, depends on how many Mondays are in that month, we throw out uh, three different topics that come off this big old spinning ass wheel we have of a bunch of different topics, like dozens and dozens and dozens of them. And we refresh that once a year. We get all these topics. We pull three of them off there. They could be subgenres of horror. It could be a particular performer. could be anything. A lot of different su- uh, suggestions for topics that we've got from our social media listeners that we put on there. And then we pull three of them. We put them out on Instagram and Twitter. Our listeners and social media friends help us uh, uh, vote on it on a little poll. And then you pick one. So for November showdown, which will be next week, believe it or not, um, the topic was uh, that, that was voted on, selected by you, by Yin's guys out there um, was revenge horror. So a lot of different directions we can go in there. And we did, you know, suggest, you know, we, we're going to keep an open mind on what constitutes revenge horror. But we're not talking about just like revenge movies in general. It has to be a horror flick. Mm-hmm. Right. How do we define that? Remember, we were talking about what is and what isn't. We talked about how uh, Last House on the Left, that's revenge horror. For sure. But yeah. but perhaps, um, you know, a, a death wish with one Mr. Charles Bronson, although that is definitely a violent revenge movie don't think we would call that a horror movie so much that's more no. of a revenge action movie right so that's kind of our that's kind of our point of differentiation that's how we're kind of defining what's horror now steve tell us tell us who who's going to be joining us as our guest here for this here november showdown episode yeah so joining us this month from the hops and box office flops podcast is mm-hmm. one of their many cast of characters. They have about four to five different, <laughs> you know, <laughs> rotating mics in there. But uh, they're, I th- I, it may be safe to call him their leader. You know, mm-hmm. they, they sent their leader as representation. Um, mm-hmm. Is TK. Yeah, it, it ballsy move. But uh, TK, also known as the Thunderous Wizard, also known mm-hmm. as just Tom. So he'll be joining <laughs> us. <laughs> I love that. TK mysterious right. thunderous wizard obviously mythical name there yeah uh, or just tom or, just, or tom. just your boy tom yep well so what was what was tom's uh now we usually let the guests not always but we usually let the guests as a courtesy allow the guests to pick what their their movie's going to be and then whoever takes home uh the championship strap for the month after we each pick i guess i should suggest what what the hell the end of that means once we pick a topic uh then we each pick a movie that's associated with that topic and during the showdown episode we each talk about the movie we pitch an argument for why we think our movie is the best of the three then we pick it apart the other people you know try to you know poke holes in their logic and like i said somebody's gonna get a diamond cutter probably somebody will occasionally throw some tacks out on the ground and ddt someone on you know some steel chairs will start flying around and ultimately we vote somebody takes home that son of a bitch and championship strap for the month steve's coming in on a little bit of a win streak here mr october mr october himself so steve gets to choose uh the order and I believe Steve was gracious enough to allow uh, TK, our guest, to choose his movie first. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to have to fill me in after that in terms of what order we're going to go in. Well, you can go ahead and pick next. 
Oh, okay. All right. So what's what's TK's uh, movie going to be? So TK's movie is You're Next, directed by One Tai uh, West from 2011, I believe. Yeah. So this yeah. is a pretty, pretty well-known flick. Um, kind of a, a, an interesting, I mean, Ty West, obviously big name, uh, in, in, in the genre or no, um, uh, not Ty West, my bad. Uh, Adam Wingard. I always, Adam confu- Wingard. I, I always confuse the two of them for some reason. I feel like, yeah, cause they both had like movies come out at uh, similar times. Yeah. And I just trusted you. Cause when you said Ty West, I was like, oh, I didn't know he directed that, but I just yeah. went with it. I would have just completely taken it. <laughs> um, cause it does feel like it could be a Ty West movie. Um, yeah. Adam Wingard. Anyway, well-known flick kind of a fun little twisty type of uh revenge flick uh from 2011 so that'll be fun yeah All it's right. also it's also because ty west is in the movie he he's an actor in the film so ah okay all right <laughs> yeah. all right i also didn't did, didn't recall that yeah yeah he, All right. he's so, one of the i believe he's one of the party goers so yeah Gotcha. I, I had just forgotten. I, I, that's why I'm all confused. I'm all, I'm mm-hmm. all confused and out of sorts. Uh, we're drink. all messed up. We've been drinking on it. We've been melting our brains with drugs and alcohol. Um, yeah. All right. So I am kind of stuck between two movies. Dang, 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 dang. All right. Ding, dang. I've got a few that I'm thinking of. And they are radically different timelines here. I am going to go with, even though we've talked about this movie quite a few times on the show, I feel like it's been, you know, suggested, talked about, uh, we've hinted at it. I think we've even referenced, you know, part, maybe even parts or scenes from it. Um, and I think I, we t- might, might have even talked about it when we talked about like some of our favorite, you know, theater going experiences for me. This was <laughs> up there. I'm going to talk about uh, uh, a flick starring our Lord and Savior. Uh, one of our Lord and Saviors, Mr. Nicholas Cage. Uh. And I'm going to go with 2018's Mandy. Mm. Very much a revenge movie, almost yeah. a revenge. Well, we'll talk about it, but almost a a, a fantasy revenge uh, horror adventure type of movie set in a, a modern setting. I love this. Movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it's all over the place. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's got uh, I mean. It has one of the most unique looks because all of Panos Cosmatos' works do like mm-hmm. I don't visually know what, striking stuff for sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if he's like burnt out on LSD or if he was <laughs> just born that way and his mind is just plugged in in that. You know, to mm-hmm. be a seventies drug case. <laughs> yeah, like it I could imagine be a little bit of both. Yeah, I imagine his brain <laughs> looks like, uh, like in uh, when Fear and Loathing in yeah. las vegas where they open up the suitcase inside in the hotel yeah. room and it's just is all drugs of different types i feel like that's yeah, what his brain a, looks like yeah it's just a tackle box of all yeah. different types of hallucinogenic drugs um yeah and that that movie uh tied into probably why that why i i liked that movie so much the first time i saw it because of the the state of mind that i was in but yeah we'll talk about it guys give me give me We'll talk about it when the time comes on next week's episode, but I'm going to be talking mm-hmm. about Mandy from 2018. So what is that? Uh, that 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 leaves it up to you, Steve. What are you going to pick? I have two also very wildly different. There's a film from 2017. And I, I just simply didn't have enough time to go back and rewatch it to like confirm if I thought it was mm-hmm. good enough. 
mm-hmm. uh, for the showdown. Uh, so I don't know, uh, but it's called, it's just simply called revenge. Like, all right, what year is it? 2017. 2017. So, so okay, it, it, so it, it plays out not, there. yeah, it plays out not too, too differently from like the last house on the left or I spit on your grave. Mm-hmm. Like it's similar to that. Then I have another pick that is, could be, I think I'm going to take a wild swing Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna go with this one because it's uh. it's it's wilder and like like I said, revenge is very just in the same vein as those other ones that we know, but it's slicker and it's updated. I'm gonna go with the Toxic Avenger from 1984. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh 1984's trauma classic. The Toxic Avenger. It's actually fun we've not talked about that movie before, being that you're uh, Steve. For those of you who knew the show, Steve's a big trauma buff, yeah. uh, but we've not actually talked about any Toxie films uh, before. But it's very uh, apropos as we saw, you know, some trailers and teasers drop for the new one that's coming out. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. All right. I've not seen that Revenge from 2017. I feel like I've heard good things about it, but for some reason, between the title and, you know, some of the people and whatever, I'm just like, I kind of feel like I know what it's going to be, I'm, which is not fair. I should yeah. still watch it. Uh, yeah, I, don't, it's been, I think uh, it's been on my letterbox for like two years. And I never, yeah. I've never watched it. Yeah, I feel like it's not really going to surprise you or anything, but yeah. which is also kind of why I'm going to like there, there's one kind of surprising dubious thing in it. That's just like, oh, mm-hmm. that's kind of wild, but it kind of yeah. plays out. You know, not too dissimilar from the other, like the 70s films, exploitation. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Toxic Avenger because the the revenge in that film is and Mm -hmm. why it specifically has to be the first one is, you know, you're introduced to this wimpy, nerdy Melvin Junko Mm -hmm. who is picked on and he's bullied and then he's thrown in radioactive waste, and then he gets Mm -hmm. his revenge by crushing everybody's head in gym equipment. (laughs) He does do a lot of murder with gym equipment, which I'm starting to think, I'm starting to realize is kind of a, uh, it's kind of a, uh, I don't want to say a kink of yours, but I feel like that's something we've talked about multiple times in the last month. Uh, Or you talked about murder, not murder size, what was the uh, death spa? Didn't you talk about death spa on another podcast recently? Well, let's see, I, uh, Month or two ago, I was talking Despa on They Called This a Movie. Uh, right. I made a suggestion on our 31 Days of Horror on our Patreon mm-hmm. of a movie called Tragedy Girls. And mm-hmm. somebody gets killed with gym equipment. Like, it's almost basically ripping off the Toxic Avenger in that movie. But, you know, really? it happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it's not, you know, yeah. it, it happens. <laughs> if if he win this time, I feel like we're going to watch Murder Size because that one's been on my uh, my two watch list since it came out a couple months ago as well. Mm, I'm, yeah. You're not too thrilled about that one? I watched. Well, also, yeah, I did watch Murder Size in the past like month as well. So, yeah, I watched it and it just it doesn't. Didn't do it for you. No. Nah, it missed. Yeah. It missed. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought a lot of the promos were really fun, but I got yeah. the feeling that that it was going to be kind of a build up, and it, maybe it wasn't going to deliver uh, upon uh, upon closer uh, inspection. But I don't know. I'll probably still get around to watching it. It's on Tubi. But, it's free. Why not? <laughs> yeah, go watch it on the Tubi. But to um, 
uh, to wrap up, uh, to summarize, if you want to watch along and check out these flicks before the showdown episode next week, uh, TK from uh, Hops and Box Office Flops, he is going to be talking about Your Next from 2011. I'm going to be talking about Mandy from 2018. And then Steve's going back to 1984 with the Toxic Avenger, which I kind of like that, too, instead of having a bunch of like, you know, 2010s mm-hmm. uh, movies all together. Look, Here we I, get ha- to go back I have, and split I it have up a little to bit. take a wild swing because yeah. you took Mandy. Mm-hmm. So putting putting revenge, putting something slick like revenge yeah. up against Mandy yeah. isn't going to cut it because Mandy is both slick and far more interesting to look at. But yeah. maybe I can grab TK with just with the nostalgia angle with and the, the nostalgia funny, the comedy or just, yeah. yeah maybe i don't know maybe panos doesn't do it for him but i yeah. can grab him with you know like you know uh i think ron jeremy's in the original yeah <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> he said he, listen it was a smart pivot i'm not yeah. gonna lie yeah. i think it was a smart pivot i'm surprised you let me go first anyway so go check those out uh, all right. A couple more quick things before we get into uh, uh, to, to, to the feature presentation for this here week. First of all, uh, we haven't talked about beers yet. Yeah, uh, I know we were talking about how we were mildly hung over, but I know. Listen, this is one of our this is our last episode before Halloween. It's like I said, it is officially Devil's Night. I got to get, you know, get with the program here. It's no, no time to be a coward. Um, so I popped a beer. Um, you got a beer over there as well? I do. All right, what do you got? You go first. It's it's sort of appropriate. It's not, you know, like right in line because it's not a candy beer or it's not mm. a uh, like a pumpkin beer, but mm. I, I'm, I'm pretty close. I got Southern Tier, so Jeez. you know it's going to be big. It's a mm. Hazelnut Deluxe, which right. is their 10% Imperial Stout, and it does say the Anytime Treat on it. It calls okay, itself the Anytime so- Treat, so... <laughs> listen yeah. there's reference to treats that's spooky enough for me um mm-hmm. so this is a hazelnut imperial stout is what you're saying yeah big old nutella stout is what it's oh, supposed right. to be so yeah is it as sweet as that sounds um yes yeah <laughs> like it's sweet <laughs> it's sweet to the point that it's automatically giving me uh fucking acid reflux is really it's how sugary it is yes (laughs) yeah i'm kind of so i was looking out there because i i was i was uh digging through some of the beers we had from last night something left i was gonna grab one of those mexican chocolate salads i was like i don't think i could stomach that right now um and then i went for because i figured listen pumpkin ale season is quickly coming to a close um you know i love me some pumpkin ales i haven't talked about this one this year on the podcast so i figured i'd give it a little go but boy howdy is this thing sweet as well I'm drinking Blockhouse uh, oh, uh, pumpkin ale, yeah, from from the folks over at uh, at Pittsburgh Brewing Company. Um, it smells great, and I like that it has you know some good body to it. It definitely is like it reminds me a little bit of how uh, uh, speaking of Southern Tier, how Pumpkin smells in that it's got the the like ginger, you know, nutmeg. It's not tremendously clovey if there's clove in there, but it's definitely got, you know, just that kind of, you know, pumpkin spice, you know, warming mulling spice type of thing. Mm-hmm. But then it's got a, a pretty pronounced vanilla type of note to it as well. Hmm. But it drinks so sweet. Yeah, I that one is actually too sweet for me, although like I yeah. can't speak to I can't speak to how it is since new ownership and everything. Mm hmm. 
Yeah. I, I had a I had a, a history with that beer because I had it when it first came out. And I don't yeah. think it was on as big a production schedule or anything because like when it first came out, it was really it was actually pretty dry and mm. like drinkable and but it had all the spices and everything. But then mm. like it kept getting sweeter and sweeter to the point that it just actually became like like it disgusting to me. And I was like, I'm never drinking this again. They can go fuck themselves. <laughs> it's definitely teetering on that, uh, that ledge of like cloyingly sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and especially cause like I said, you know, I, I'm a fan of, I know this is, you know, uh, not, not, uh, exactly a, a craft selection, you know, in most people's eyes, but the Jacko Sam Adams, Jacko pumpkin ale is just one of the most drinkable pumpkin ales for me. Um, and this is like, this is kind of the opposite in that it's so sweet that it's teetering on, you know, really hurting the drinkability. But I don't dislike it. It's just, you know, it's 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 definitely a little bit too sugary. Yeah. For me, maybe they've edged it back in more recent years. But like, I remember it just got to a point with, you know, even with my you know sweet tooth, I was like, Ugh, no. <laughs> <Okay."> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little much, a little much in the sweetness. All right. Last thing, guys, we got to mention for those of you who are new to the show or maybe you're just tuning back in because it's spooky season. Uh, we got a Patreon, guys. You can go over to ha- patreon.com forward slash Halloween's forever. Um, <laughs> and, and we got a Patreon account over there and you can support the podcast with some paper monies. If you got them, you want to yeah. give them to us. Small amount, couple, two, three bucks uh, a month. You get some stuff and and I'll let Steve t- tell you about it. But you know, here, let me summarize the best I can. Do you like the Fast and the Furious movies like Steve? Do you hate the Fast and the Furious movies like me? Either way, we got you covered <laughs> yeah. over on the Patreon. Got you back. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, if you sign up, we got a $3 tier. And on $3 tier, you get a couple two treat things. You mm-hmm. get the uh, you get an extra vote in the polls when they come around. You get. Like I mentioned earlier, I had a 31 days of horror recommendations, but like it doesn't go away. It stays up on the Patreon. You can read all 31 days now, you jerk off, even though those words are there. Yeah, I've written Mm. thousands of words. I wrote a 900 word essay on Slime City Massacre. (laughs) You know, or that's dedication. If you don't think that that's (laughs) worth three dollars, fuck you. (laughs) Actually, it was a. It was a 900 essay on the Stenhall syndrome. It was a 600 word essay on <laughs> Slime City Massacre. I don't want to misrepresent and then it's false advertising. But, you know, it's like yeah, it's all no, up there. Come on. Three. Yeah, it's there. It's there. Yeah. Three dollars gets it to you. So you get all that and that's fine. But if you give us five dollars, mm-hmm. that's where you get the bread and butter. You can jump on mm-hmm. the discord and you can see episodes happen live. You can participate. Yeah. You can talk about the movie with us as we talk about the movie. Sometimes we bring bring you up. You'll figure it out. Yeah. And then you also get the monthly podcast. Family is forever. (laughs) (laughs) Which is horrible. Um, Not the podcast. The podcast is fun. The experience that I'm having, having to watch all the Fast and the Furious movies is horrible. Steve's suckered me into this. At first, it was kind of a joke. Then it turned into kind of a full on gaslight situation. Now, I think it's a psyop and um, it's really causing um, a lot of strife between me, myself, um, you know, my brain, my family, uh, the federal government, (laughs) 
uh, <laughs> Lord and Savior Satan. Like all the, it's really straining my life Vin and my Diesel. relationships. <laughs> Vin Diesel, Paul Walker, um, all these things are really kind of in flux right now, and it's causing me a lot of stress. Um, but I'm doing it for yins, uh, out in podcast land and our patrons. So we are on, oh boy, we just did, um, the fourth one, which is called fast and furious. I know that's stupid. Um, mm-hmm. but we're just about to get into fast five, I believe is the yes. next one that we'll do in November. Uh, but the fourth installment came out here in October. The podcasts are a lot of fun. Like I said, I like recording them. We laugh. We have a good old time. Uh, but the movies uh, uh, make me want to drink bleach. So if you think that you want to listen to me slowly unravel psychologically <laughs> while I discuss some of the dumbest movies ever made and Steve laughs at me. Um, yeah. Give us five dollars a month on the Patreon. Uh, it's super easy. It's super fun. You'll be supporting something that we like to do and you'll be getting a little, some some extra stuff uh, if you're a fan of the show. So basically the way people can think about it is it's like Brian's living his own Rosemary's baby where he's mm-hmm. being a pharaoh and I'm John Cassavetes. <laughs> and, you know, he's being gaslit into believing that, you know, the Fast and the Furious movies can't hurt yeah. him and they're good for him. It's all in my head. The fact that I'm like my 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 mortal fear of these movies is just in my head and it's not something that's happening in the real world. Uh, but if you're interested, go over to patreon.com forward slash Halloween is forever. Just go to patreon.com search Halloween is forever or go into our, uh, you know, one of our social medias, our Instagram, for example. Go to the link in the bio and you can get to our Patreon from there. All right. With all that nonsense and silliness out of the way, let's get down to the spooky ooky shit. Like I said, we're here to do a couple of things. One of them is to, to please his infernal majesty. And I believe that this movie uh, will do just that. So we are talking about from 20 and 23, brand new, just released not that long ago, uh, a little flick uh, called When Evil Lurks. This is a Spanish uh, production, I believe. Argentinian. Um, Argen- is it Argentinian? Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. It's, yes, yeah, it's in Spanish, obviously, but it's Argentinian because, yes, this is uh, Damien uh, Rugna or Rugna. I, I, I remember not sure about that last That's, time. You do the best you can. <laughs> I think it's Damien Rugna. Anyway, yeah. um, yes, because we talked about him already. I've actually talked about one of his movies in a showdown episode way, way back, once upon a time, probably a couple years ago. A movie called Terrified, which I still suggest is is one of the scarier movies that you can find out there. Um, and uh, and yeah, so he he's uh, responsible for that. And now he's also responsible for writing and directing. I think he wrote and directed that. I, and I believe he also wrote and direct directed this movie when evil lurks. Yes. Uh, but he's got quite a quite a, uh, uh, you know, um, not too far. It, it goes back quite a ways. He's been, you know, it looks like his first kind of directorial you know shorts for the first you know few movies i think his his first uh uh feature length film came out in uh, 2007 so he's been directing for a while um but uh not a ton of things but um the one you know the only ones i've saw i've not seen satanic hispanics um i imagine that sounds like it has a uh, kind of a comedic element to it uh that um, one is actually it's a uh it's an anthology that came out uh earlier this oh, okay. year and it has um gotcha it also has as a director from uh from vhs 85 the gg saul guerrero she directed oh, who did 
Yeah. The one with the the, the, the the earthquake and all that. Yeah, she also has a segment in Satanic Hispanics. So I haven't I haven't seen it yet, but I just know it's it was on my radar. Gotcha. Yeah, it's 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 popped up and I haven't got around to watching it, but any case, uh, like I said, really liked Terrified, which is, believe it or not, five years old now. Pretty damn spooky. Uh, spoiler alert on we'll talk about Terrified a little bit. Uh, I won't spoil anything in particular. I just to suggest that it's a great flick that just drops the ball pretty hard in the ending. If I recall. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, when evil lurks, uh, we are going to spoil the living shit out of this movie. So just yep. an FYI, if you haven't seen it yet and you care about that sort of thing, we are going to talk, you know, heavy about plot points and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, my uh, my other possible warning for this film is also like terrified. The director does not give a fuck about kids. And so, no, if you haven't seen the movie yet, Maybe continue listening because there's some really extreme things with kids in peril. So yes. if you're if you're the kind of person who can't handle that, you know, maybe you just want to listen to our episode about it, or maybe you want to get a kind of briefing about it, what you're about <laughs> so to you know see. What to expect. Yeah. Because this movie is nasty. This is yeah. a mean, nasty movie. This move this movie actually got a reaction out of me twice, which is yeah. uncommon. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was th- I was thinking too. Is this this movie like I I so right off the bat I'll say I really enjoyed it. I thought it was extremely mm-hmm. well done. I really really like this movie. This is you know when we talk about at the end of the year, you know our favorite horror movies of the year. This is undoubtedly going to be up there for me. I don't know where it'll fall, yeah. but this is undoubtedly going to be up there for me. I loved it. And as a jaded, you know, and that we talked about, this is why I, a big reason why I love Terrifier 2 as well is like, I'm a jaded, I watch way too many horror movies I have for decades and decades. So it takes a lot to like be unsettling for me. Mm-hmm. And I usually struggle, like I don't necessarily gravitate towards the stuff where it's just like, oh, we're just going to take something vulnerable, like a kid or a puppy or something like that and put it in peril. Usually that comes across as very cheap. Um, mm. and, and just kind of lazy to me, but like it's pulled off in this one to like really, uh, uh, disturbing levels. Um, so, so we'll talk about that, but quick side note, come completely unrelated. But since I mentioned terrifier, um, did you see the, that terrifier three is going to be yeah. a Christmas horror movie? I I'm very excited about this. <laughs> Steve's not as excited about this. I can already tell. I love the terrifier movies. Uh, and I love Christmas horror movies. I'm very excited. that terrifier three is going to be a Christmas horror movie. Yeah. I knew as soon as I saw the poster, like, Oh, Brian is going to be fucking over the moon about this. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't feel it. Like I just like yeah. I I thought the poster was funny because he's wearing yeah. Santa's face as a beard. Yeah. <laughs> but it's I'm just great. like Come on. like it has to have he has to figure out how to write a fucking story for me to care. That's the thing. No. That's the, yes. It's just <laughs> sloppy insanity. That's why. So here's why I like that movie. And it's similar to why I like this movie, although the story, I think, is great in this movie and the Terrifier movie. It's not you're not really there for the story necessarily. Not at all. Um, <laughs> I like the mo- I like movies that you cannot trust. We've talked about this on the podcast before many a times. If you're new to the show, I like something that's going to blindside me. I like something I'm just going to be walking down the street whistling da, 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 and then just get sucker punched in the ear. Like mm-hmm. that's what I like. I like to be surprised. I hate to know what's going to happen. I hate to be right about what's going to happen in the plot. Uh, and that's hard because I've seen a lot of movies and I'm gullible. I, you know, don't, you know, I, I uh, Steve's probably better at like, 
you know, picking out, you know, smaller plot points and putting, you know, putting the pieces together, you know, Charlie, uh, Charlie Day style and knowing what's going to happen. <laughs> like, I try to lose myself in the movies or whatever. I've just seen a lot of movies, so it's hard for me to be surprised. Right. Terrifier, specifically Terrifier 2 um, and uh, and When Evil Lurks are great examples where it's just like you don't know what's going to happen and you cannot trust these movies like right. they will cold cock you and you're not paying attention uh, and this movie does it does it to like i said really really great effect um also great tagline uh there's no point in praying yeah great fucking tagline yeah. come on that's just yeah. like that just felt like a a really awesome like 70s exploitation tagline you know mm-hmm. i loved it yeah this movie but, like set like if you pay attention to it, it sets you up so early mm-hmm. to not have you should not have high expectations for the way this ends. Yeah. Like this doesn't end happy. It sets you no. up. You should know. Yeah. But like even yeah. still, it still just leaves you like, ugh, oh God. <laughs> yeah. Well, and terrified, which is is a tough title, only because it's a really generic, crappy title mm-hmm. and it doesn't do the movie justice. The poster is not great either. It looks kind of, I don't know, it looks like it's going to be a, a Tubi original or something with the the, yeah. the, the the poster. And then also, um, you know, since then, Terrifier, which we're talking about both simultaneously, so not to confuse people, but the Terrifier franchise with Art the Clown is an entirely, you know, uh, much better known, obviously, mm-hmm. um, and also has absolutely nothing to do with it. So right. that, that even, you know, even dilutes things more. But the, the movie from 2017 by the same writer director, uh, Damien Rugna, which terrifier is Damien Leone. So it's two Damien's, right. which <laughs> yeah. makes it even more confusing. <laughs> so Damien Rugna, who is the Argentinian director who did terrified and uh, when evil lurks. And then Damien Leone was, is the terrifier or the clown guy. Anyway, um, yeah, this this movie, they, they're similar. They have similar sensibilities uh, going back to Terrified and this, although v- set in very, very different places. Mm-hmm. I was really impressed by um, the fact that they made a very um, urban setting really creepy to me because not a lot of movies pull that off well. It's easy to make rural settings creepy. Yeah, because um, it's just barren and open and dark and you know mysterious and a lot of things can happen. But like urban settings, you know, I think feel like that's a little bit more impressive when they make that really, truly creepy. And they did a great job of that in Terrified. This goes the opposite direction. This is a very rural setting. Mm-hmm. This is middle of damn nowhere. Right. Yeah. I mean, it does. It does take a couple trips into the city. But like that's most does. Yeah. yeah. Most most of it is all rural setting. And like I like the way this movie starts, too, because. Yeah. It's it's not a complete one for one, but it does just remind me of uh, the void with the way mm. the void starts. It starts with like them shooting that kid in the back and yeah. like chasing the other kid down and like you're just thrown right into the action. And the same thing in this is like you're just thrown in like the first thing you get is like gunshots. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. like you're immediately thrown into some sort of action and then you're following these two brothers like investigating the gunshots. 
Yeah. And there's a lot going on, like world building wise and like backstory and all that. Like there's a lot of, mm-hmm. of, of things you have to get up to speed on relatively quickly in mm-hmm. this movie. And I feel like they do a good job of doing that in a pretty graceful way. Like there's not some big nasty expedition or uh, exposition dump. They do no. a couple that are like borderline, but they they make it seem natural. Like it's yeah. a character explaining it to a child, which, you know, well, the kid doesn't understand. So we have to really lay it out for them. Like it makes it it it, it felt like I said, um, uh, uh, didn't feel rushed or anything. But no. yeah, like like you like you said, Steve, we, we get that opening scene. You get these two guys so they're brothers. It's uh, Pedro and uh, and Jimmy. And they go out to find, like you said, they heard some shooting uh, on their property in the middle of the night. They decide to at dawn to go out and figure out what's going on. They live in this, you know, basically on a, 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 a you know, middle of nowhere, rural environment where it's just basically uh, uh, ranches, it feels like, right? In, mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere, Argentina. Um, they go out and they are, you know, walk around the woods. Basically, they, they kind of remind me of the, the bodyguards from... Uh, uh, from the Godfather a little bit. Okay. <laughs> you know, they yeah. got, like the yeah. one of them's kind of got the little cap on and they're yeah. walking around with shotguns. <laughs> um, anyway, but they're, you know, in this rural setting or whatever, but then they're walking around out there. They find this torso, you know, basically the bottom half of a torso. Someone, someone got sliced right in, right in dangled half, uh, right at the waist. Um, and they're pretty, they're pretty lax about it. They're pretty mellow about the whole yeah. thing. They're like, ah, damn it. Got a torso cut in half. So you kind of get the idea that these are like some kind of, a little bit more rough and tumble guys, you know, definitely. Yeah, uh, I think it's because like they be, would they would you, they would be used to like hunting. So they're used to like dressing animals that they kill mm-hmm. or they're also used to yep. butchering their own animals living on a farm. So yeah. like the actual gore doesn't bother them, but just mm-hmm. the, you know, context of like, why is there half a person here? It's like fucking yeah. with them. <laughs> Right. And also you come to learn later why maybe this is not that surprising that wild stuff is happening because of kind of the state of the world Mm -hmm. at this point, which you don't you don't know yet. Um, So they also find a bunch of like weird instruments around the, the 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 body parts, a map. And then a bunch of other documents, basically, that lead them to, you know, a small kind of shack where they know this particular person that lives there, this older, older woman. Her name's Maria. Um, and she has two sons. Uh, and, you know, you're, you're just you're kind of lost. You're thrust into this as 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 the audience. And uh, apparently Maria was waiting for the guy who was cut in half to come and kind of deal with. And what she literally says is her, her son, Uriel is to kill him. He's coming to, they were waiting for him to come kill her son, Uriel. Um, and then you get in the back room and Ariel ain't, Ariel ain't doing great. Uh, Um, (laughs) he ain't doing so hot. He's Um, looking, he's looking a lot like the, uh, sloth from seven. Yeah. (laughs) It ain't great. (laughs) Yeah, he's very like bloated and covered in all these wild growths, almost uh, a little slither ish. Um, oh, yeah, in yeah. terms of yeah, like yeah. the way he's like almost mutated, he's got these big gross and he's very deformed, super gross, great practical effects, and everything is just like oozing pus. Like mm-hmm. every time you touch him or move him, something just kind of like pus comes out of somewhere. Yeah. It's super, gr- it's super gross. Yeah, he's like he's dribbling and drooling green stuff at every time. Mm-hmm. And like he has oh yeah, he 
like his he's in his like tidy whiteies and they're all like piss and poop stained and everything oh it's, yeah he's just and they're terrible. just talking about how much it smells and yeah. it's just a real grimy scene um and and you're confused because they you almost think that page because so pedro pedro is a little bit of a loose cannon he's a little bit wacky he doesn't think things through real great um and then you got jimmy his brother who's a little bit of the, the more reserved brother a little bit mm-hmm. um and jimmy and and pedro or specifically pedro seem to be very upset with maria and her other son um and basically saying like you know you think that they're like well why didn't you get him help like you've been letting him sit here and suffer for the longest time. Like that's kind of what you're suggesting. You're like, at least what I was thinking as a, you know, someone being thrust into the situation, but you start to realize that they're more mad at the system because they essentially what has happened is there, uh, there is possessions that are happening, uh, just out in the world. Like demon possession is, is part of, uh, uh, is a reality of this world. And it is almost, Basically, what they did, as as you know, the writer did here, is told is telling a story about demon possession, but giving it some of the tenets and tropes and and even um, rules as like a zombie apocalypse or an infection type of virus mm-hmm. movie, right? Yeah. Uh, but but instead of a virus movie, a zombie infection, some sort of freaking T virus situation. It's a demon that jumps from body to body. But there are a bunch of weird like biological rules that play into this as well, which yeah. you start to learn. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, a mix of you know, like you're saying, it's like a mix of like zombies or just a general pandemic um, mm-hmm. and the movie Fallen with uh, Denzel Washington, where mm-hmm. like the, the yeah, demon yeah. is able to just jump body to body. So like, yeah, it has yeah. it has those rules in it. And also like. It's a Jason goes to hell situation. Jason goes bit. to hell. But like yeah. as as it goes on and as like as the as the demon takes control of people, it's, mm-hmm. it kind of reminded me of the happening. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought that too. it's really interesting that you say that because because they um, I remember thinking this feels a little bit like M. Night Shyamalan, but like someone is good is directing it (laughs) right i don't don't mean to say like i like some of his movies and actually probably like them more than some other people but like yeah it does feel like somebody is just it's a better directed version of some of his most memorable scenes yeah it was because it was like the happening with like a good story and like a good world built around it yeah because we learn pretty early on that one of the things that happens when uh, when the possession like takes hold or one incarnation of the uh, a possession takes hold is it often causes people to commit suicide mm-hmm. um, and obviously hurt and kill and, you know, other people and do it's, all types it's of awful suicide. Shit, it's murder. It's all of it. But yeah. like, yeah, the suicides that happen just feel, mm-hmm. you know, again, very much like the happening because they're very abrupt and they're very like the least convenient way you know mm-hmm. kind of yeah. thing uh, <laughs> yeah. and obviously very brutal and and also i guess too the wide lingering shots feel very oh, yeah. m night Shyamalan-y yeah. as well yeah and also uh, like because a lot of it also happens in the daytime mm-hmm. you know, that's true which too is, which is similar for the happening like so much of that mm-hmm. movie is in the daytime because that's that mm-hmm. is part of the horror of like 
bad things don't happen during the day. It's noon. Everybody's right. getting a croissant at you know Starbucks. <laughs> you know, yeah. surely I'm not going to ax myself in the face. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the great thing about this too: no Mark Wahlberg. This is literally zero point zero Mark Wahlberg. Zero, uh, which is a big plus for me. <laughs> you want to keep Mark Mark Wahlberg out of your movie? Speak a different language. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hundred percent true. Yeah, yeah. He he said. If you don't like it, you can get out. That's a real, yep. that's a quote from Mark Wahlberg himself. Um, Mark Wahlberg, maybe the only person I hate, only actor I hate more than Mark Wahlberg is, is Paul Walker. Right. Uh, which, which, if you want to hear me rant about that, we can do that on the Patreon. Um, anyway, um, so like I said, a lot of these apparent demonic possessions are happening all over, and they have been happening. You don't know how long, but it's something that is quite widespread, and it's not even like a superstition thing, like. Most possession movies, you have to convince somebody or multiple people that the possession is real. That's like a big hallmark, a trope of possession movies. With this, you don't. It is more the disbelief around whether or not it's a possession, an actual demon possession, is not that demon possessions don't exist. In fact, that's very much established that they do in these movies. It's just they have been up until this point, at least in this area it's been mostly reserved to uh, more urban settings mm -hmm. so they're all kind of like wait there's a possession out here like out in the sticks like we thought we were safe out here in the sticks kind of thing yeah um so yeah because i but, it seems it seems like even though they do happen in the urban settings they're they're still rare to that point but it's just they've happened enough that everybody is aware of them even the system is aware of it because like we were talking about, we already have had talks about you know what a cleaner is. And mm. then Pedro and Jimmy's next move is to go to the police and try yeah. to report it to the police because the police know about it. But also they're not. Uh, one of the things I noticed in the police station while they're doing the report is there's a crucifix mm. on the wall up behind them. Mm. Ah. And so it feels like maybe as part of the power structure, they still kind of believe in the mm -hmm. church, even though we're yeah. told later on, like churches have fallen, everybody believes God is dead, except for maybe the yeah. government. <laughs> yeah, it's really bizarre because I mean, so so getting back to where this ties in, you know, with Uriel, you know, they basically say, you know, why haven't you taken care of this? And you're like, what does that mean? You know, why don't you just shoot this weird, de de you know, demonic uh, uh, person or whatever, or possessed person? And what you come to realize through, you know, again, small kind of context clues at first, but then flat out, they basically say is there are kind of like government sanctioned cleaners, which are essentially government sanctioned uh, exorcists, essentially, who come out and deal with it in a way where the the demon possession, you know, plague, if you will, doesn't spread. So they can kind of isolate it and kill the person in a way that doesn't make the demon be able to jump from body to body because as soon as it's killed, it can immediately jump from body to body um, if it's not disposed of in like the proper way. So mm -hmm. Maria and her family had apparently notified the mayor and like the local, you know, what is whatever deputy or whatever sheriff on whoever it is a year before and they had done nothing um, and they were finally going to do something. They sent the cleaner on their way. And of course we come to learn pretty quickly that the, um, the, the torso that they found in the woods was that of the cleaner that was coming to deal with Ariel and, and someone, something got to the cleaner and killed him, you know, basically intercepted him in on route. Right. Yeah. So 
um, you know, there's this power struggle thing where, like you said, which was interesting that at this point, you know, and we come to learn later on that it has been at least like 12 years since these things have been happening, um, that now people think that God is dead and the churches have all basically just went away, which in reality, I feel like the complete opposite would happen. If all of a sudden we mm-hmm. knew possession, demon possession was real, all of a sudden you have a lot more people being super over the top religious pretty quickly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I feel like it would swing that way, but also, I mean, it it feels like we're jumping a little forward ahead, but it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah, you learn, like you learn that the people who were, you know, at first witnessing the, the possessions couldn't do anything about it. So like if everybody couldn't do anything about it, Mm -hmm. then maybe you would, like if if the Catholics couldn't solve possessions, nobody yeah. would be Catholic and they would try to yeah. find a different way. And then it's not that's it's kind of what I like about this movie. And maybe I hope there's another one that expands on this because there mm-hmm. there is just like a big world that we don't see. But like you get explained that like some people do come along and have an answer, but you yeah. never really see those people at all. Well, and they also feel like you, you don't see them. I mean, you, I guess you meet one um and, and she she has some expertise in this well, she, area well she was actually trained by them uh, the, the people yes. i'm talking about she was trained by oh, them you're but talking she's about the monks not, yes yeah yeah right they allude to them yeah but like they don't they don't ever you don't ever meet those monks you just meet right. the people they trained which is this half you know these half legs and a lady <laughs> is all you get (laughs) that's true and and you you know and there i guess you know getting back to the whole like religion going away thing i guess they do suggest that these people who were the only people who did prove to be able to handle the possessions um were some sort of like it almost felt like it was some sort of like ancient you know potentially pagan or old religion mystics type of Mm -hmm. thing like they weren't like christians or something like that there was like an old like some sort of old you know mystic you know magician type of you know, rituals that were actually proven to be effective against these demonic possessions. And maybe that contributed to why people were like, uh, God's dead or whatever. So, um, but anyway, we don't actually get that deep into that and it doesn't surprisingly play into the story that much, but I would be really interested, which I I would be very surprised to see that a movie like this got a sequel. I kind of hope it doesn't, but if it did, or if there was like, you know, uh, like if this was the type of thing that, you, they, you know, there was a deeper, you know, uh, a manga or something about yeah, it, like right. it would be really fun to get into all that stuff. Yeah, I, it, it, he just said, you know, the director sets up a lot of wonderful lore that you mm-hmm. want to know more about. So, like, if there was a sequel to this film, I wouldn't want it with any of the characters we see in this film. I just want no. it more as an anthology as like, OK, give me some other aspect of the world show me like what buenos aires is up to now now that it's been infected you know multiple times yep 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 um anyway so we do get introduced to to another person who i don't know the exact relationship between pedro and jimmy and this gentleman his name's ruiz i got the feeling that like so Ruiz is like a local, like wealthy landowner, right? Mm-hmm. He owns, you know, a huge amount of land. I don't know exactly if he owns the land that Pedro and Jimmy live on. It feels like he, th- th- that he mm. has some sort of influence over them, but I don't know. No, it's, um, I don't think it's that he owned the land. It's just like, because he's wealthy and his mm-hmm. land butts up against theirs as well as Maria's and yeah. like Pedro and Jimmy aren't rich. Like they're, they're, yeah. they're all right. I know. And yeah. then Maria is poor as hell. Like, yeah, 
Ruby's just hates having to deal with like these poverty people butting up against his land is all he did. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. It's never explicitly said, but it does feel like they are kind of bothers to him. And he's like, yeah, he's this wealthy landowner. He has like, you know, he's got like a fancy house and all this sort of thing. Um, And he also has had some conflicts, you know, with the local government as well, because he just kind of, you know, thinks he runs the show and is like, well, fuck these government officials. They can't do anything kind of thing. So there seems to be some headbutting there as well. Um, So the possession, like I said, is this. There, there are different elements of the possession, which we come to learn. Um, and like I said, this this Uriel, who is like this crazy, like just swelled up, like monstrously infected, almost rem- is reminiscent of some sort of like T virus type of thing, yeah. um, is is the only incarnation we know at this point. And Ruiz is basically like we're starting to learn at this point slowly that that this is something that is happening at other areas of the world and that they're just really terrified that it has come to their little corner of the world. And Ruiz is like, you know, basically he's sitting there, you know, at dinner with his pregnant wife. Um, and you kind of get the feeling that like Ruiz is kind of a scumbag too. Like I get, the, you know, not to pass judgment, but it looks like his wife's about 40 years younger than him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and like, he's just this like old slimy rich guy and he's got, you know, he's got this like, you know, kind of, uh, uh, his his pregnant wife at home and he's like really being weird and distant during dinner and then all of a sudden he's just like fuck this i'm gonna you know he jumps up and she's like don't do anything stupid and blah blah he like grabs his gun goes to maria's house <laughs> just like busts in the door and is basically going to shoot uriel and the and the family maria and the other son are like don't do it don't do it don't do it. you know what's gonna happen um you know if you don't deal with the, the you know the the possessed people correctly meaning you just shoot him in the head for example that it'll spread uh and he knows it'll spread ruiz knows it'll spread but ruiz is just like kind of a hothead and is like panicking and is you know he's got a kid on the way and he's like oh the you know this possession weird shit that spreads is like coming to our town so um so basically eventually ruiz decides like i'm not gonna do it and even (laughs) uriel who's like you know the demon is speaking through him is like basically kill me kill me kill me because he wants everyone to kill him so he could jump to another body and he's saying you know hey uh if you kill me i i won't go you know basically uh infect your uh unborn child kind of thing and ruiz is like fuck you know, I can't this is the wrong thing to do. So he just goes out and basically locks himself in his truck and throws a little temper tantrum for a while until the morning comes. Um, and then uh, and then they they show up. Uh, uh, Pedro and Jimmy show up. Pedro and Jimmy. And then there's another woman as well, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it? Or no, it was no, his no, wife. It's just. Yeah, just his wife shows up to yeah. like get him out of the truck. Yeah, he's still in the truck in the morning outside Maria's house. They're like, what are you doing? And they think he already killed. Uriel, they go inside. He hasn't. So they're like, oh, it's not too late. But he basically bullies everyone, even though you can tell they all know it's a bad idea that they are going to move Uriel because the government isn't going to help. The clean, the no cleaner is going to come and they're going to drag his big leaking ass <laughs> out of the house <laughs> and just get him in the truck and drive. You know, they're like, we'll drive hundreds of miles away and just dump him somewhere and get him out of our town kind of thing. Um, uh, and so they do that and it's, you know, like I said, it's gross, you know, they're moving him around. He's just leaking everywhere, pussing all over the place and shit. Yeah. 
um, they eventually get him in the bed of the truck and they're driving and they suggest they've drove and driven like 300 kilometers. Like they, they drove for hours, right? Yeah. Um, in, 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 in one direction. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're like, okay, should we drive further? They're like, yeah, let's drive, you know, another hundred kilometers or whatever. And they're not paying attention. They almost hit a kid who's riding his bike on the road, you know, assumedly he's on his way to school and they almost run him over and, but they don't. And they eventually pull over somewhere to dump, to dump or else, you know, on the side of the road and they see that he's not there. <laughs> you know, he's out of the truck <laughs> and apparently he had, you know, rolled out or something. They assume when they almost hit the kid, but yeah. you're not really sure because he had like a, he had like a cover over the over the bed of the truck as well. So you're like not 100 percent sure what happened Did the bed pop open like, you know, or the tailgate pop open. You're not really sure what, but apparently he he did get out. Um, And they're like, well, it must have happened when we almost ran that kid over. And they're like, well, fuck it. It's their problem now, basically. <laughs> they just yeah. they just go, well, we're, we're not dealing with this anymore. It's, it's everybody else's like we we got him far enough away from us that we yeah. think it's going to be OK. And, yeah. you know, whatever. <laughs> and then they just say fuck off and they go back home. And then like Ruby's just dumps the two brothers off like on the edge of their property somewhere. He's yeah. like, walk yeah. home, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, get out. Get out. He's a real prick. And also like. They basically pull like a Monty Burns. You know what I mean? They yeah. just they just dump the, the the toxic waste in the pond. They're like, that's somebody else's problem now right. kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so they all go home and just say, fuck it. You know, they're all kind of, you know, weird things are kind of happening. A little little spooky shit happening. But, you know, is it nerves? What's going on around around the house with Pedro and Jimmy? Ultimately, the next day. Uh, they hear uh, Ruiz is in his house. Here's his wife screaming. They go outside and he's got a whole bunch of goats. Um, and there is one of the goats, a black goat, you know, classic, classic demon goat situation that's just staring at them. And they're like, well, that's that's the possessed goat. And she's screaming, what the hell's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And Ruiz panics like a dumbass. And he decides he's going to he gets a shotgun and runs out and He's pointing his shotgun right at the goat and the goat and him are having an old fashioned, you know, stare down. And the wife is going like, don't shoot it. You know, if you shoot it, you can't use a firearm against it because you know what will happen. And and she's like, no, you have to get an axe. So she runs to get the axe as he's pointing the shotgun, kind of like, like I said, they're having the stare down. The goat like walks up and presses the gun right against its face. <laughs> head which is like a baller ass goat move it's such it's such a john mcclain fucking move out of the goat it's just like yeah it's the bruce willis of goats yeah make my day (laughs) you shut your goddamn mouth anyway so so he literally presses and then it like does a like a goat bleat you're allowed and startles ruiz and 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 makes him shoot it in the head and this and as the wife is running back with the axe is when, you know, he shoots the goat and he kind of means to he kind of doesn't like he got startled. And then as soon as he shoots the goat in the head, the wife just axes him, just just does him in with the axe right in the face. And then as soon as she does that, she kneels down 
and starts axing herself in the face. So this is the happening ish scene because this is in broad yeah. daylight. It's like or it's like late morning in like a wide open sunny field, not sunny, but like overcast field, and she's just slowly axing herself in the face uh, while he's laying there already dead, and there's a bloody goat and all this stuff. So essentially. This goat is, uh, uh, you know, is where the demon had got into this goat. And, you know, you learn that it's kind of like animals are susceptible to very susceptible to it. So it uses animals as vessels. And then if it can jump from an animal to a person, it it will do that pretty readily. So it jumped it to her and then she axed herself. And now the the demon is just, you know, uh, free range demon at this point. It's just it's just floating around. Yeah. There's also a rule about like. You know, they, they've said it multiple times already, but like there's mm-hmm. a rule about not using firearms. And so I imagine it's something to do with like the gunpowder going off. Yeah. You know, it for whatever reason, it can travel through the gunpowder as well. Like the residue that's in the air, like whether yeah, it's it the fire or something more readily. And you learn that there's actually these, you know, pretty quickly we learn about these more like established, like seven rules of dealing mm-hmm. with these demons. And one of them is you cannot like you don't use a firearm. That's like yeah. almost rule one. If you use a firearm, it's really going to fuck shit up. Yeah. It, um, I mean, it, I think it immediately just jumped. I'm wondering, you know, if, I didn't think about it because this scene, I didn't think about it much when it happened. Right. Maybe the reason why his wife hit him with the axe mm-hmm. is because he was going to be possessed. Because mm. if you if you kill something with the firearm, it possesses you. Like you're the person right. who gets possessed, but mm-hmm. she kills him with the axe, but it still isn't enough because she's the one that gets possessed. So she doesn't kill yeah. him out of possession. She kills him just to prevent possession. Yeah, that's what I thought. And then she kills herself. And I'm like, well, yeah. she was possessed. So how do we know she didn't just kill him because she was possessed? Yeah. So I but I think it's because it's the rule of not using the firearm, but it just didn't matter because she was in proximity. Yeah. She still she she still gets possessed and axes herself. Yeah, it's a real bang bang play there. You're not yeah. really sure who you know what happens and why it happens, <laughs> but everyone gets killed pretty pretty quick um, yeah. on their at their house. Um, so yeah, cut for first and and then Uriel's little brother. I didn't write his name down, and it's not tremendously important but uriel's little brother shows up at pedro and jimmy's place and basically you know tells them what happened to ruiz um and uh and then he you know i guess it's important to say because it comes back later is he's like here's what happened with ruiz blah blah blah, and they're like fuck it's here it's it Mm -hmm. made its way back you know we're 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 all in, in danger and uh also they basically say to Ariel's little brother, like, all right, well, get the fuck out of here, basically. Um, and they take his gun because they ask if he has a gun and they take it because he, he said, basically, you know, I travel the way out here. It's freezing cold. I'm freezing. I can't go back home. Uh, can I stay here? And they're like, no, you can stay in the barn, basically. And uh, he's like, oh, cool, guys. Thanks. And he goes out <laughs> and stays in the barn. And they're like, and leave in the morning and never come back and fuck you. Right. Um, <laughs> And they Don't say let us see your dirty little kid face here anymore. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of a dick to this poor kid. Um, but they're like, uh, you know, so we're going to fuck off in the morning. We're going to leave. Uh, but first, what we're going to do is we're going to go into town and we're going to he's you know, Pedro's like, I'm going to we're going to get my kids. Uh, we're going to get our mom and we're going to we're going to fuck off, you know, hundreds of miles away some somewhere else and run away from this situation. Um, so 
in the morning, they go to Pedro's old house and, and you learn pretty quickly you know, this guy opens the door and Pedro's kind of like open the door, dickhead. And he's like, no, you're not supposed to be here, whatever. It's Pedro's ex-wife's new husband. His name's Leo. Um, and his wife is Sabrina. And, you know, Pedro is kind of playing the role of like the deadbeat dad. You don't really know at this point what happened that caused him to be estranged from his family. And obviously he's now divorced and his wife has a new husband and they live in town. And they got this nice house and all this stuff. But he's like, hey, I'm going to come get the kids. And he just basically barges in. He's like, you know, hey, dickweeds, uh, we got to get our stuff. You know, it kind of was rem reminiscent of Shaun of the Dead a little bit to me. Where he's bit, like, yeah. right, come on, we got to get our shit. We got to go kind of thing. <laughs> um, and uh, and and they're basically like, no, asshole. And they're kind of used to Pedro acting kind of erratic mm -hmm. a little bit. So they certainly don't like um, they don't trust him. And, you know, he's like, I got to burn all my clothes. So as soon as he comes in the house, he's telling Leo, like, hey, dickhead, go get the kids, get all their stuff, get them a change of clothes, get them like, you know, some some whatever you need to bring. And we got to go. We got to get out of town. We're all leaving together. And they're like, no, no, we're not doing this. And he's meanwhile stripping all his clothes off. So then like when his ex-wife walks in with, you know, his, which is we, you learn is not his daughter. There's three kids in the house. He has two sons from, from he and Sabrina's marriage. And then Sabrina and Leo have a daughter that is not, you know, doesn't belong to, uh, uh, uh this was from, from after they were married from after, um, Pedro and Sabrina were divorced. So, um, you know, she walks in with a daughter and he's standing there butt naked. She's like, what the fuck? You know, so he's looking very erratic and untrustworthy. And he's like, there's a possession. You know, it's here. We got to get the fuck out of here. And she's basically like, why can't you just like let me be like, why? What, what did I do to deserve this and blah, 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 all this stuff. So a lot of stuff's getting pulled up from their relationship um, and they're arguing. And Leo is kind of like wanting to give him the benefit of the doubt a little bit at first and sabrina's like no call the police let's go meanwhile the the son the one son the younger son um who seems to be i'm gonna say like six or seven yeah. um is like hey dad and he's like yeah get your shit we're going and then the daughter who probably is like i don't know four or five who's not his kid but but leo and sabrina's kid and then he has an older son who i'm gonna say is like you know 16 maybe yeah, he's um, in his teens. And he is like severely autistic, um, like nonverbal, um, you know, uh, uh, special needs. Mm -hmm. And so so he's like, get everybody. We got to fucking go. And as they're doing all this arguing and the whole thing is kind of coming to a head um, and, and they go outside and burn his clothes. And he's like, you got to guys get me some more clothes his dog and i don't know if it was his dog from when they were still together but there's this big ass dog you know yeah. it looks like some sort of like mastiff bulldog bull mastiff looking thing it's a big yeah. ass looking dog and it's kind of walking around and you're getting thing vibes because the dog is sniffing him he's petting the dog the dog is sniffing his clothes he's he's get you know needs to get his clothes off and burn them so this is where things are a little bit sketchy because it's this whole like it really is like a virus mm -hmm. in certain instances. Um, and the dog, they keep showing the dog like sniffing them. And then the dog sniffing the kids and licking the kids. And you're just like, fuck, something's going on with this dog. Yeah. But then it really, to me, felt like it was going to be a little bit of a red herring. 
Oh, like, no, they not were just, for me. <laughs> that, for me, I thought it was going to be like, a, oh, you just want us to pay attention to the dog, mm-hmm. you know, and then something else was going to happen. But in any way, it, it wasn't that way for me because yeah. it's I mean, just the editing was too intentional, but like it was the, very intentional. But yeah, yeah, it's just the scene was and, and this happens throughout the movie, which is one of the things I really like about the movie is mm-hmm he uses kind of this cacophony of panic to like raise tension. So like yeah. people, people are just constantly speaking over each other. Like people are yelling, yelling at each other. Yeah. Um, like he, it comes into play with uh, the autistic son where like, like he's nonverbal, but he has like a series of grunts that he'll like yeah. grunts and moans. And like, so like he'll get into this rhythmic moaning that just mm-hmm. like, it just builds and builds and ever it's like layers of fucking noise. And it like, yeah. it starts to drive you crazy, but also, you know, something is about to happen. And there's a lot of tension building around it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what happens in this scene is like, there's just so much fucking noise, but then it's doing these intentional cuts to rather serene interactions between the dog and the little daughter. And I was just like, yeah, Oh, just fucking do it already. Just pull the trigger, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> well, and I thought that's what was going to happen. And like, you knew something was going to happen with the dog. But here's how I took it. And I had just watched, I rewatched the Halloween, you know, 2018 Halloween movie the other night. Mm-hmm. And there's this scene I, I, I remember because when it first came out, Kate and I were watching it in the theaters. And it's it's that probably the most iconic scene in the movie where like you're following Michael from behind and he goes back down the alleyway ends up going through someone's back door you know murders someone in their kitchen that sort of thing it's it's almost a remake of the scene from part two a little bit um but it's different and obviously it's updating all that anyway um during that part he walks into a room at one point he had just killed this woman with a hammer and you hear a baby crying Mm-hmm. And you hear you see Michael like walking up and you're facing from behind him, but you really can't see which direction he's going because he's turning right left through this house and you see him walking towards a crib and he kind of does like a quick little look at the crib. And I remember Kate in the theater going like, oh, my God, he he better not kill the baby. He can't, there's no fun. <laughs> and I, and being a fan of the Halloween franchise, like I knew he wasn't going to kill the baby. Right. It's just not a Michael Myers thing to do. Um, and that wasn't going to happen in this movie. But. I thought it was a little bit like that. Like, I thought it was that thing where, like, we're going to add even more tension because we got this little kid, you know, and this big, scary looking dog, this big, you know, like I said, this dog was how to be 140 pounds. You know, it was a massive dog. But anyway, right as as you're saying, the big argument, all this cacophony of arguments and, and speaking over and screaming is happening. And then right without warning, this big ass job, the dog just chomps the kid. The, yeah. the little girl just, just right in the head sir just it just puts the entire head, head. His, yeah <laughs> and it happens so quick and it's brutal because then you get like the dog dragging the kid under the table and just shaking the kid like a toy yeah and it's fucking it's just brutal 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 yeah because the uh because the other the the middle son sees it happen Yes. And then he like he looks under the table and the dog is just shaking the girl underneath the table. And then he goes yeah. off screaming to get you know everybody else to like, hey, the dog's Pay attacking. attention to what's happening. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then Leo goes over and he sees that he's like the dog's got the girl and the dog runs outside, just literally carrying this child like a chew toy, you know, yeah. runs outside. Um, and, and like I said, so the, this dog daughter the 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 kid who got munched 
um, was Leo and Sabrina's kid, not Pedro's. Mm-hmm. So shit has now fully hit the fan. Everyone's panicking, screaming, running, trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, uh, Pedro's like trying to get out of there, and he's not really that worried about going and finding this kid. No, he's like it's not the, his kid. Demons, yeah, he's like <laughs> the demons here. Possessions happening here. I got to get my kids and get the fuck up out of here. I don't really care about this. And Leo's like, no, obviously we got to go find this kid. That's it's his kid. And Sabrina's like, oh my god, what happened? You know, they're just absolutely in in just panic mode um and he's telling leo don't shoot the dog because leo goes and grabs a gun and runs out after the dog he's like don't shoot the dog don't whatever you do don't shoot the dog and leo's not paying attention he's hysterical and meanwhile uh you know he runs out he, he's kind of he he's running around helping them look, you know, there's kind of a little bit of panic happening in the neighborhood. The neighbors are coming out what's happening. And he stumbles upon Leo and Leo has shot the dog. Yeah. And he he's like, fuck, you know, so now the thing is clearly jumped into Leo. He knows this. He you mm-hmm. know, he's assuming this is what happened. And meanwhile, the little girl who got munched is back at the house and she's like, okay. Yeah. Not a scratch on her, not a scratch on her. And the mom, Sabrina is clearly like so relieved, but confused and and hysterical still. So the kid, the Scooby snack kid is, her name is Vicky. I'm just going to, I just had her listed as Scooby snack for a while on here. Um, But Vicky is her name tells the mom because she's now creepy possessed Vicky. She's like, daddy's going to come home and kill us. <laughs> and yeah. she's like, daddy, boom, come back, boom. And so yeah. like, what? Why is this happening? What are you saying? <laughs> what are you saying now? Yeah. And you think he's talk. She's talking about Pedro for a minute. But right. But it's actually Leo because that's her dad. And then as she's saying that she she's like the mom's, you know, Sabrina's on her knees with the kid and Leo just comes with the truck and just mashes them both into the house, basically. Yeah, which is like another Um, happening, like because it just comes out of nowhere because, yeah, she's she's telling Sabrina, you know, like daddy going to come home. Boom. And like (laughs) this is intercut with Pedro basically like stealing away with Sabrina's car and her two sons. Right. So, so it's like, oh, is she predicting something way in the future? Like Pedro is going to come back. Fu- yeah. Right. Yeah. Is what yeah, you, you think. think? You it's think it's way oh. down the road. Yeah. But no, it's Leo right around the corner in his fucking shitty Toyota or whatever. And just <laughs> plows them both. In, yeah. Just plows them both into the house. And it's like, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That happened pretty abruptly. Um, so now they, they, you know, Pedro is is up the F out of there. Um, and. Um, he sees all that happen and the, and, and everyone is like the neighbors are kind of gathering around and whatever. And Leo's in there and he's all gooned up and Pedro's like, fuck this noise. Pedro grabs Sabrina's car, puts his kids in there and is, he's out. Right. So they go back to get, pick up Jimmy and their mother, uh, Jimmy and Pedro's mother. Mm-hmm. And this is where we get the bigger explanation. And it's their mom in the back of the car with uh, 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 with uh, Santino, yeah. who is the younger the younger son. And then I think the older son, the the autistic uh, teenager's name is it Jer? Hi, Air. 
high yeah. air. Okay. Yeah. J A I R. So high air. Yeah. High air. High air and, and uh, Santino are the two sons. And she's explaining Santino basically the whole thing about the possession because they're talking about it and the kids keeps going like, what are you talking about? What's that? What's that mean? And the grandma explains everything about possession to the kid, also us. And basically, like I said, this is where we established it's been happening for quite some time. And, you know, it's widely known and understood. But until now, it's mostly been, you know, focused on cities. And there's like seven rules, which some of the rules, at least for me, the subtitles. So this is all in Spanish. So the subtitles like kind of made it at least a couple of the rules for me, not entirely clear. But one of them is no electric lights. Like when you're dealing with a possessed person or possessed, you know, whatever person, entity, no electric lights because they absorb that or something bad happens when yeah. you use electric lights. Um, I took I took this, it as so like with the electric lights and the gun usage. Yeah, I took them both as like things that are related to like man made, uh, you know, like something, something anything that was like created by men is kind of mm-hmm. like uh, has a you know a, a conductivity to it. That draws yeah, they can use it to, to it. the right, and they can at the very least use it to their advantage. It feels like mm-hmm. because the the demons are very much into emotionally manipulating people. Like that's right. their that's their main mo. Right. Um, she also says stay away from animals, which I I think what you know basically that means is we know now that animals can be kind of a conduit, a very easy very they're very susceptible to the gene demon right. using it as 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 a, a a vessel um and then the one that the the translation didn't really make a lot of sense it sounded like like don't take anything that is a like a personal possession of something of, of someone who's who is possessed mm-hmm. like an item right can also create there is some sort of danger involved with that yeah so um, and we learn it's we learn a little bit more about this, but it's all about you have to give up basically everything because the mm-hmm. demon's going to try to use your past against you in any way it can. Right. And so yep. I think if you have a piece of something from a loved one, you're going to mm-hmm. look at it and remember them. And then maybe mm-hmm. that loved one is going to be able to find you as a possessed yep. And the only way you can stand up to these entities is just to like basically have nothing to lose or or just kind of abandon all hope or or fear mm-hmm. or, you know, any feelings towards anything. Right. <laughs> kind yeah. of, I guess. Yeah. Um, which is kind of explained a little bit later. But um, and then it talks about, you know, basically it says don't kill them, basically. Right. Because then they can jump from body to body. Um don't use its name so don't say like satan you know or or lucifer or whatever don't like give it a name basically Mm -hmm. and then obviously don't especially don't shoot them because the gun thing we talked about and then there's one more which we don't know yet and grandma's like oh yeah that was only six and grandma's like was it i'm a grandma and they don't really (laughs) get into what the seventh one is but like later they you kind of get explained to it that you can't you can't care about anything. You can't be yeah. afraid of death. You can't be afraid of anyone else dying because they'll just use that to, to your advantage. And it kind of like it, uh, it preys on your fear, right. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways. Yeah. 
but uh, so yeah, those are those are kind of the rules that we get about it. Um, the other thing that I thought did a really great job because you're not just running from a demon in this in instance. Like, there's a lot of logistical challenges that they also have that they're like dealing with. One is they just left abruptly, and they also are like, you get the idea, like relatively poor, so no one has any money, right? Um, so they 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 literally don't have money for gas. Like, they're also dealing with uh the the autistic son who's got like like i said these you know a, a special needs so it's like for example at one point to get him to move to like get in the car he had to promise him this like apple ice cream that he mm -hmm. eats yeah and and they couldn't find the apple ice cream so they went to like a gas station and he didn't really have any money anyway like for anything else and he got him an ice cream but it wasn't the apple ice cream so he wouldn't eat it and he was like you know not really like he was not responding well and then also like later on like the kid you know needs help going to the bathroom so you get the idea he has like a diaper they have to change his diaper you know so there's just there's a lot weighing on them at this point so it's not just like we can jump in the car and leave you know there's there's a lot there's a lot of other stuff going yeah. on and then like in that scene where like they're they're stopped to get the ice cream and mm -hmm. gas this is another scene where like all that cacophony and tension is building up because the autistic son is making a lot of groans. The young son wants to go home. You know, the mm -hmm. Jimmy and Pedro and the mother are arguing about money. And so like it's a lot of building and building. And then mm -hmm. it's cut with the mom's telephone going off because yeah. the demon has essentially located them at this point mm -hmm. from, you know, from all the kind of fear and upset you know, feelings everybody's feeling at that moment. You know, yeah. they get a call from Sabrina, who we know is dead, and Pedro knows is, knows is dead. <laughs> and like, and but, of course, the kid like wants to like, let me talk to mom. Let me talk to mom. Right, yeah. <laughs> Which like, so so there's like, so it's just it's all creating this high amount of like just, and you feel the desperation mm -hmm. that like Pedro was feeling in that moment too. Yeah, and it like it. You know, the demons taunting him over the phone. He just winds up like smashing the phone on the ground and breaking down and crying and just, mm -hmm. yeah, it's like Jesus. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And the de the demon is trying to get him to basically just like give up, you know. Right. And and the demon is, of course, it's Sabrina. Talk to him on the phone is like, I'm coming to get my kids and fuck you and you're a piece of shit. And this is and she goes on to explain this is why I, you know, cheated on you. This is why I was, you know, banging everyone is because you're a piece of shit and you're not. You know, you you suck. You're lame. Fuck yeah, you. you're, you're not, you're not a good husband you, or a father or any of that. And now I'm going to come and like, my kids. <laughs> and it was preying on his guilt regarding, you know, him being essentially like an absentee dad to his kids, especially a special needs kid. Mm -hmm. It's like you basically you want it. You didn't want to be his dad. You know what I mean? And yeah. And like also even saying like really dark shit about like suggesting that he was responsible for his like the kid's disability too mm -hmm. like it was yeah. just like it was super super like going for the jugular as as a demon is wont to do right like and that's classic possession stuff you know like yeah I, i've watched a bunch of possession movies in the past month mm -hmm. or so and mm -hmm. like most of them are so fucking boring because they don't do anything yeah. new and like yeah this one does a whole lot new but also it is nice to see kind of the classic things still hold up as well Right. This like, is the your mother sucks cox and hell um, right. part of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, this is still OK, but like 
you know, they do plenty enough new in this film that's like, oh, yes, it's so refreshing that we're not just relying yeah. on the same fucking bullshit over and over again of a kid tied to a bed doing fucking monster voice, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and this one, too, it, it like it there there is a lot hinted at and and even some in some instances explicitly said or or not, maybe not explicitly, but like very heavily suggested of all these weird undertones and secrets and things that are happening between the main characters so you get a lot of character building that is very indirect without a guy going well i'm a scared of this you know mm-hmm. and maybe a, this might have happened between us like you get it through through other means so like at this point you get him you know learning that um you know sabrina was uh you know cheated on uh uh on pedro and that's ultimately what you know made him kind of you know pull away and just kind of uh you know like i said stop being you know it sounds like he had like a restraining or like things got messy between them but that was why right um and then now this this other character we get introduced to jimmy's like you know pedro's on his on uh, you know dire straits here i don't know what to do i'm you know kind of just like broke down just like weeping on the side of the road and jimmy um is like i have someone who i think might be able to help us she might be able to lend us some money you know and she 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 can help us um so it takes her to this woman's house her name is uh Myrta, and she has some knowledge of the possessed and also jimmy this was the thing i was alluding to jimmy had it's 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 not heavily suggested it's it's all but flat out said that jimmy had some sort of like romantic relationship with her when he was younger and she's about 30 at least 30 years older than him yeah and the suggestion was like he she was his teacher and he was a student when he was like an adolescent and they had like an affair when she was like a middle-aged teacher and he was the student and you get the idea because he even kind of says like oh you're such a lovebird and blah 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 you get the idea that jimmy had um a habit of uh, of banging his teachers when he was a kid <laughs> like this is like heavily suggested and that jimmy kind of gets around like jimmy is uh, you know he J- jimmy just kind of jimmy's out there jimmy and you know what yeah. i mean left and right yeah so, J- J- uh, jimmy's been a gad about <laughs> for most J- of his J- life <laughs> he's a he's a gad about i would say jimmy be jimmy and but you get yeah. the idea right that's what yeah. jimmy be doing yeah, I, I, I guess I missed like I maybe missed a line or two in the in the subtitle. Like I just wasn't like I got that that they she was his teacher at some point. I just didn't know like at how what age, and if it was like a grooming situation or if it was just like you know a horny young boys. You know, it sounded it like it was like a teenager. Like yeah. I took the idea because it, it kind of suggested that like Jimmy would go away to boarding school, mm-hmm. and he because Pedro there was some line I'm I'm completely paraphrasing this but it was something like jimmy you know come home and the first thing you would always say is how you miss the teachers or whatever when mm. you come home for, yeah. for summer like from boarding school so i get the idea he was like a teenager and he was you know banging his middle-aged yeah. teachers which is <laughs> like to happen it's it was a thing that jimmy did like it right. was it was a, you know and listen teenager and you know shame on the teachers you know there it's obviously the, the child is the victim but at the same time um he kind of was like Pedro was like, no, that was Jimmy's move. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's Jimmy's kind of what he deal. That was Jimmy's whole deal. Other, um, people, other people were into Pokemon cards and Beyblades, and Jimmy was yeah. into just smashing older ladies. Porking all his teachers. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, it was pretty. It was a, it was a real, uh, real spring autumn uh, scenario there. But anyway, um, so Pedro, so they all stay at, at Mirta's house. So the kids are inside. Uh, Jimmy's inside. Um, you know, they're sleeping around the house. The one uh, Santino, which I just can't such a funny name for a little kid. I don't know why yeah. Santino just sounds like an extra from like it's like, yeah, it's, you know, one of the one of the just like nameless faces in the back of goodfellas you know that's santino over there, right yeah <laughs> or no it wasn't santino wasn't that the 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 sisters uh of well husband that they kill in uh godfather was his name santino oh. or no, santino was the brother wasn't santino the brother, brother? santino the the james con is his name santino no james con wasn't the brother either james con was the consigliere no no he wasn't that yes, was Tom. he was yeah, yeah, James Conn was Tom. Wait, who was who was the brother? Who was the hothead brother? I I'm going to look oh. it up now. <laughs> I know this is completely off, completely <laughs> off. Yeah, James Conn is Sonny Corleone, the hothead Sonny brother. Corleone? Who was the who was Tom then? Tom was uh uh oh god, what's the actor's name? Oh, Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall. Dang it, I couldn't remember his name. Yeah, Robert Duvall is Tom. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so I think Sonny, I think Santino was short for, I think Sonny was short for Santino. Anyway, that's a long ways for something that's completely unrelated. Um, <laughs> that tangent is on me. Anyway, um, Santino is sleeping with his uh, his grandma upstairs. Uh, the other son is, you know, somewhere in the house. And then uh, Jimmy's down on the couch. Or no, I'm sorry. The other son is in the car with Pedro. So that's the whole idea is that he's, you know, he's freaked out the autistic son. He won't leave the car. So Pedro's got to sleep out in the car, uh, with, uh, with his, his older son, the autistic son. Um, so anyway, in the middle of the night, um, you know, mom comes creeping around. Sabrina comes creep around with her old bloody hand, you know, putting it on the window of the car. And, uh, you know, but he, he, the son's nonverbal. So like, he's not really, you know, he can't really tell them what's happening. Ultimately, she goes inside and creeps into the bedroom with the mom and the mom's kind of drowsy. She, you know, she mentioned she's hooking her sleeping pills. She took Just her like, Ambien. <laughs> come on. Come on, Ma. This is maybe one night you don't take the Ambien. Uh, but anyway, she's up there with the son and uh, Sabrina, who's all gooned up. Her face is all mashed up and she's she's all fucked. And uh, she takes Santino and then. Uh, Jimmy hears something happening. The grandma comes downstairs, alerts Jimmy. They come get Pedro. By the time Pedro runs inside, she's already got Santino and she's standing upstairs. And Pedro's like, uh, you know, give me my kid. And she's like, no, I, this is my kid. I came to take my children or whatever. And she jumps off the balcony. Um, and then they look down and she's gone. And that made me think that if they would have shot her six times, that might have solved the situation, <laughs> but probably not, um, judging from the fact that she was up and running. Um, anyway, so uh, they're like, oh, my God, she's got the, she's he's got or she's got Santino. We got to save him, blah, blah, blah. And Mirta explains that the demon now is trapped in the mind of uh, the, the autistic son. And it's kind of like a. This was kind of a weird plot point for me that like yeah. she had seen this before where Dean and, and I think this is a trope that exists in other movies or stories, too, because I feel like I've seen this before, but maybe not that like people who are like 
um, not even necessarily just autism, but that have like some sort of like mental uh, disability. Um, they are like a Rubik's cube for demons, <laughs> you know, yeah. that, that gets them stuck. It's which is, I don't know, rubs me the wrong way a little bit. It feels a little, a little, bit. A little bit reductive and like, uh, I don't know, like their brain is like a is like a trap for demons. I feel like I've seen that trope before, um, yeah. but that's what she explains. Yeah, I feel like I feel um, like I've seen or heard that before, but it's like I can't put my finger on if it's been a movie or mm-hmm. like. I feel like there's also just been like claims of autistic people being possessed. Yeah. You know, like they're, well, they're that just- was definitely like a thing, you know, way back in, you know, hundreds of years ago. Like if you had some sort of like severe mental illness, they were just like, oh, that's a dang old devil in your brain. Well, I mean, there's even been a shit ass pastor who said that shit like two years ago. So, oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure there's some fuck, fuck wad who's saying that <laughs> nowadays and, you know, making people hold snakes and, you know, well, God knows whatever else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so they they do suggest that that's the case. And basically, she goes on to say that don't go after the sun. You have to stay here and 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 we're going to. You know, she, she's essentially a cleaner, right? So she needs her exorcism stuff and needs everyone to stay here and be calm because the demon, yes, is in the wife, but also the demon is kind of everywhere. And you have to understand that you can't go running around like a maniac because that's just that's what they want you to do. And you going after them is just you allowing them, giving them more power because of your fear of what's going to happen to your son. Right. Um, so the whole seventh rule here is like, basically, don't be afraid. Like it manipulates you through your fear. And she also kind of comes to explain at this point that there's different stages of the possession. Like the possession is almost like a virus in that there is like well, it's almost like it's some sort of like spore forming <laughs> entity or something. Yeah. yeah it has like because a, you, it has like a mycology network to it because. Yeah. What it's doing is it's it's all in service of Uriel and Uriel mm-hmm. is like the, ho- the the main host that apparently is going to give birth to a real life demon at some point is what yes. we're told. But like he has, you know, because of his presence, he has, you know, this network that he can expand himself out over, which is why, mm. you know, like all the animals in the area are trouble and, mm. you know, children are susceptible and anybody who feels anything can actually, you know, be taken advantage of in some way. So he he's almost I took it as this like he's almost like the egg sack or like the placenta or something yeah. of the demon. But also like because she basically says like the demon exists now only in its like emotional influence over people. Mm-hmm. But and, and, but and and obviously it can take over dead bodies and stuff like that. But it is it is like a free form entity it's basically like a ghost right now right. it can get it can do ghost stuff often from people to people and it can you know jump into you know it can give dan Aykroyd a bj or do whatever ghosts <laughs> do and like and jump into people and make people manipulate stuff but it doesn't have a physical form yet and ultimately what she calls the rotten which is uriel which is the big pussy guy he is like the like I said, the egg sack, you know, right. almost for for what is going to birth the 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 actual physical demon. Um, so he's kind of the egg of the possession. Yeah, it, it was funny in this scene, too, because she's also 
opening up like her case of tools you know mm-hmm. is she's explaining them to pedro or she's explaining what's going on to pedro but she's also prepping her tools and like she opened yeah. the case and in the case is like it looks like a telescope or ser- survey equipment you know yeah and there's a little photo of a guy in the case yeah and i was like Who, who's that guy so I know who's the guy It's like, a, but there's also like weird little gyroscopes. And yeah. It's like it's it's almost a weird, a little bit steampunk, a little bit Castlevania. Like there's just a lot of little tools and weird yeah. instruments in there. So, you know what I did is I took a screenshot of the little guy <laughs> yeah. and I ran him through Bing image search and it returned <laughs> a result for me. What is it? it was just a, it was just a photo of an actual surveyor from like the 1900s. <laughs> That they that they took and photoshopped his survey equipment to look more goofy and you know like steampunky. I was like, oh, it's not it's not anything. Like, there's no actual board in this. They just googled like surveyor and we're like, we want a picture of a guy doing this hypothetical thing. Yeah, yeah. They just fa- they yeah. found a guy on Wiki. Uh, I think it's like Wiki Commons. So it's like the the yeah. common you know photos you can use of yeah it's uh, the public of, domain yeah photos. public domain photos of like this guy i think his name was like overton <laughs> brendan or some shit like that <laughs> they're just like okay take this guy and make his equipment look a little more steampunky and like the demo- or you know diabolic or whatever <laughs> yeah it's weird like she has a lot of little like spring-loaded like wheels and yeah like i said little like viewing uh instruments and stuff like that but you never really know what she what she you know she's actually going to do with them yeah um but anyway, and you, saw, so, you saw these earlier, too, with these were the same tools that were next to the legs at the beginning yes, of the film when they found the dead, you know, cleaner in the woods. Right. So uh, anyway, they uh, so she's explaining that, like what that suggests that the fact that the the, the possession is still active and, and people are getting jumped into and all this stuff means that the rotten or Uriel is is alive. He's still alive. And they're like, well, shit, what happened to him? And they're basically like, wait, you moved the rotten to another location? And they're like, yeah. And she's like, you guys are fucking idiots. Like, so the whole thing yeah. is like Pedro and Jimmy, especially Pedro, they're both just goddamn morons. Like, Pedro, there's no other way about it. Yeah. Pedro yeah. is the most consistent fuck up. Like, because yeah, he's, he's such a clown. He was fucking up before the movie started. You know, that's how yeah. he lost his kids. He lost his house. And now he's fucking yeah. up now. He just stays fucking up. <laughs> and he just he always he always be fucking up. Um, and he never really redeems it ever. Spoiler. No, <laughs> he just spoiler. Fucks up constantly. <laughs> um, but, you know, so at this point, shit has hit the fan in town. You don't see it, but they allude to it in a pretty creative way because, you know, uh, uh, Myrta is outside and she's like, oh, look. The, the the lights from the nearby town that's like miles away there's no lights from the town which means that they've cut off the power grid and that's one of the steps in the the like demonic uh, uh public service uh protocol for yeah. when a demonic outbreak happens is they shut off the power grid because electric attract electric lights um you know give them power or conduit or something like that so it was kind of a cool concept that there is I just like the idea that there is a public safety protocol for demon possession, mm-hmm. like out in the real world. was kind of cool. Yeah. Time to sh- everybody shut the lights off. Stop feeling things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stop everyone. Stop feeling. Um, so anyway, so Mirta gives us a little more of her backstory and she's been, you know, her and her husband were basically like kind of 
preachers, but they were like kind of charlatan preachers. She's like pretty open about the fact that they were like just frauds. Um, and then when shit hit the fan, uh, again, this has been over 12 years ago at this point, um, the churches all basically went away and this, these monks, which they don't really get into the details of who they are. But again, this is some sort of like ancient mystics of some sort have figured out this way to deal with demons or had been doing this for presumably a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, and they taught them how to do it. So she was taught by the people who, you know, had, had learned how to deal with demons over, you know, assumedly a long period of time. She, she also used the, and it's, I don't know if it's a translation thing or just like a slang thing, but she refers to the monks as cobras. Like that's when the cobras came. And I was like, yeah, I, I well, at get first it. I was like, do you mean like a plague, like locusts, but it's right. cobras or is it like Cobra Commander? Like literally, you know, yeah. <laughs> the cobras, cobras showed up and um, yeah, and they, yeah. they tried to fight the demons. But then, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's the, that's the one thing it just didn't. I don't I don't know if it's like Argentinian slang that didn't like uh, it just doesn't translate well. It may be. I just uh, yeah. I wasn't sure about that. It, I took it as like that's lore that we don't really know about and aren't really meant to know that much about. But it's just like a thing that gets you thinking, you know, just a world building mm -hmm. minor world building element. But anyway, Jimmy finds this is a great scene. This might be my favorite scene in the movie. Um, Jimmy is out because the whole idea is Pedro can't go look for the kid because that's going to make the demon know that he cares and he's going to eat up his weird fear for his, the safety of his kid. So he's like, you guys stay here, figure out how you're going to deal with the demon. Um, that's kind of trapped in the older son. I'm going to go look for uh, demon Sabrina and your younger son. So Jimmy's out driving about and he's kind of flicking the lights on and off, you mm -hmm. know, cause he doesn't want the lights to be on too long, but he's driving on this, like almost look like a path in like a park or something like that. And he sees Sabrina up ahead and he's she's she's carrying the kid and, you know, something's not great right off the bat. You're like, you know, this ain't going to be that great. And he's like driving up along her and it's almost like <laughs> come to try to make light of it because it's a brutal scene. Yeah. But it's almost like that scene in old school where they drive up beside Will Ferrell <laughs> when he's running naked <laughs> and he's like, you know, get in the car. And he's like, you think KFC is still open? It's, yeah. it's a little bit like that. Close. Except for instead of that, he pulls up along him and Sabrina is carrying the kid and he's dead. And she has basically like reaching into his skull and is eating his brains like a bag of Fritos is the only way I can describe. She is happening. arm deep in a Pringles can of a of kid head <laughs> is what it is. Yeah, it is. It is rough. Not cool. Yeah, it was <laughs> it like is really brutal. It is super not cool. That was that yeah. was the second reaction that this movie pulled out of me after the dog yeah. scene. It was like different reactions, too, because the dog scene was just like building tension and it's just like, yeah, just pull the trigger, let it happen all over. This was yeah. a reveal of something gross happening. I was just like, oh, oh, <laughs> this was like a, this is one where I said kind of reminiscent, speaking of Terrifier 2, of like the scene with all the salt and this yeah. where I was just like, Jesus Christ, like, yeah. this is just a, it's just a brutal scene. Bit much, but um, bit much. <laughs> yeah, it went a little, going a little hard there. All right. All right. Um, so Jimmy obviously loses it when he sees this and he rams her. 
smashes, you know, smashes Sabrina, you know, demon Sabrina with the car. And in the accident, he's like, uh, you know, banged up and he kind of loses consciousness for a minute. And then he wakes up and she's like hanging on the windshield, all demoned out and starts talking to Jimmy. And this was another thing that like it's just hinted at and it doesn't necessarily pay a lot of dividends later. Um, but the whole idea that there's like there's no real good guys in this movie because Mm-mm. she suggests that Jimmy was and her were having an affair at some point. So, yeah. So at some point, Jimmy was banging his brother's wife. Yeah. And the only real relationship that feels like it has any longevity in this movie, because like at this point, you're like, all oh, the kids are all going to die. Like, you know, everyone's going to be dead. Yeah. Um, but you but the whole the only really like close relationship that you're experiencing here is between Jimmy and Pedro, the brothers, and then and then maybe Jimmy or Pedro and, and his older son, the one he's like, you know, sleeping in the car with and all that stuff. The the other son, you're like, eh, this ain't gonna, I mean, he's already dead at this point, but even right. earlier on, you're like this kid. Oh, as soon as the as soon as the the the, the other kid became a Scooby snack earlier, you're like, that kid's going to go to. Yeah, that kid. That kid's um, also in danger. Everybody's in danger now. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And it, yeah, like this is a mean, mean, mean movie. Yeah. Like, and also like Santino is he was a little bit annoying. I'm not going to lie. You know, he's just constantly. He didn't need to be a Pringles can, but no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, he didn't, he, didn't, deserve... he didn't have to do him like that. Yeah, you didn't have to do him like that. But just like constantly asking questions, constantly being annoying, like, give me the phone i want to talk to mommy i want to do this want to do that it's like just can you chill can you tell that we're having a problem at the read the room santino (laughs) jesus yeah i didn't necessarily think his brains were gonna get eaten but sure right um anyway so back to Mirta's house and the autistic so so grandma's kind of dozing on the chair uh pedro is uh and Mirta decide that they've you know, they basically like, you you move the rotten. You're an asshole. Where did you move him to? And he's like, well, here's what happened. Fell out of the truck when we almost hit a kid on the road going to school. So <laughs> there's a got to be a school near there. So he's probably somewhere near there. So they're just going. So this was the only part that I was like, that's a little far fetched. They just go into this area and like, oh, they stumble upon a school. It just felt very silent hilly for some reason um, during mm. this part, which I was like, Really, the first place you go is the place they're keeping him. Um, but anyway, they go looking on uh, out there for for him. So the grandma is staying at Mirta's house with the autistic son, and she's just like kind of chilling on the couch. And all of a sudden, the autistic son walks in, and he just strolls in, and just starts talking to grandma just very normally, and like he was completely nonverbal before, and has been presumably you know his whole life, and he's just pops in is like grandma i'm hungry i need something to eat and i'm cold so i'm coming inside and she's like cool and he kind of does this like weird thing where he like touches her shoulder and you're like something bad's happening with right yeah yeah but you don't know what's going on you don't know if he's just possessed you don't know if if this is a side effect of him his brain you know trapping the demon you don't know um but it just leaves it at that and then you head off to the schoolhouse where, you know, Mira and or Mirta and, and Pedro had predicted, you know, that, hey, this kid was on his way to school. It must be here, whatever. So this is where the rotten is going to be, apparently. Yeah. Um, they, they, and, and she does have a pretty tight line about it, which yeah. explains it because she's like, you know, oh, the, the 
the we probably left the body out by the school and she's like well that's where we got to go because evil loves children and children love evil it's like yeah that's true children love evil that's (laughs) their favorite thing kids love evil there's one thing i know kids love it's fruity pebbles and evil yeah but they're into it but they they uh so they go right there and they walk inside and there's a bunch of kids sitting in the classroom in the it's like middle of the night and they're all creepy looking kids they're sitting in this classroom and uh you so first of all earlier on jer or or what is his name how how do you pronounce higher uh yeah, he had apparently drawn some sort of picture or one of the sons had drawn some sort of picture that Pedro opened up and saw in the back of the car. And it was like a family and like a sunset and everyone holding hands. And you're like, oh, it's just like a kid drawing like a cute little thing. Mm-hmm. Well, then you one of the first things you see when you walk into the school is that drawing on one of the windows. So obviously whatever kid drew that had led knew where the rotten was like he had, you know, he had been infected in some capacity, you know, well before that. Um, And so, you know, you go in and some of the kids are possessed. Some of them look like they might not be possessed. Like one of them spitting out goo. There's white powder everywhere, which you're not really sure what that is. Um, And you're like, well, there's one kid who kind of seems like she's maybe not possessed. Um, and then there's other ones who are like spitting out goo that are definitely right. possessed. <laughs> yeah, there's. And, uh, I mean, it looks like the one because they're. I think they're in a line too. But there's one girl mm-hmm. who has like her eyes closed and she's crying, and she seems like she's not possessed because she's like mm-hmm. talking and crying. And then the girl behind her is just eating handfuls of paste. Is what it looks like. Yeah, <laughs> she, she, she just yeah. Go, she just went all in on an Elmer's bucket. So yeah. it's yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, she has she had a value meal uh, with the side of Elmer's glue. Yeah. And she's also just like eyes are all fucked up. So like some of these kids are, are in a bad spot. And Mirta is basically like these kids are protecting the rotten like the rotten is here somewhere and they're all sitting here waiting because they're protecting it. Right. Um, and the they're like get the fuck up out of here whatever they go outside pedro's kind of losing it then all of a sudden they see the kid walking with the bike the kid that they almost hit earlier when they when they actually lost uriel which is which is the quote-unquote the rotten and he's just kind of stump you know pushing his bike up towards the school and he's like hey bro what are you doing like what's what's going on and the kid with the bike um is uh uh Yeah, they're they're basically saying like, um, what does he tell him? I'm trying to. Oh, bike kid says that. Oh, it's at my teacher's yeah, yeah. house. Yeah, I my think he Cortez. says right. Yeah, it's up at Miss, Mr. Cortez's house is where it's at. And they're and you're like, oh, so maybe you have to go to a, a different location. But Mirta's like, nah. Like he's trying to get us, you know, he he's trying to send us on a wild goose chase. Don't don't believe the kids because the kids are all possessed. And then the one kid who seems not possessed comes out and is like, don't listen to him. It's at my house. They're hold, they're keeping Ariel at my house and it's right up the road, whatever. And Pedro just kind of goes batshit on this little girl and just starts beating the shit out of her and strangling <laughs> her. And I was like, whoa, dude, relax. You fucking bust her with a truck door. Like he knocks her down yeah, with a truck door and jumps on top of her and just starts wailing yeah. on her. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty serious. But then you quickly realize that like, no, she's she's obviously part of them and she's possessed too. But like at that moment, you kind of don't know if she is or not. Anyway, but Mirta knows the whole thing is a trap and basically says like, 
you know, Pedro, you're you're stupid because he wants to go because anything Pedro wants, like that's the wrong thing. He's a mm-hmm. moron. And then um, she's just saying that, no, if they're trying to get us to go somewhere else, that means Uriel is here. They're trying to draw us away from him. Um, so, uh, like I said, Pedro beats up a child and he's <laughs> they go back inside. She's like, no, he's got to be here somewhere. And you go in and the kids are all possessed and they're all just kind of lurking around in the corners uh, but not really bothering them, but just kind of staring at them. And he finds this like area of this, this like stage. It's kind of a multi-purpose room, I'll say. Yeah. Um, and there's like a stage and some of the boards on the stage are like pull partially pulled up and he starts pulling them up and he finds that all the parents are, are base are dead or most of them are dead. And they're like being stored. Bodies are being stored in the stage. And there's a bunch of like lime everywhere which is supposedly, you know, supposed to help with the smell. Um, but anyway, uh, he's she's saying the the uh, Uriel, the rotten is probably in there with all the bodies. So there's this whole weird scene where Pedro is digging, is tearing apart the stage and digging out the bodies of the parents and all the kids are just kind of like lurking around, like watching him. And you don't know if they're going to do anything, but they're all just like little kids, like between the ages of probably like seven and 10. Right. Yeah. Um, And, but they don't seem like they have a lot of agency or really know what they're going to do or how they can prevent this. Or if they really want to prevent this, you don't really know. And the whole time Myrta is setting up her tools again, all her little, you know, uh, doodads and and doohickeys and you know stuff for you know doing anti demon experiments. Yeah, her her demon sextant or whatever it is yeah. that she's putting on. <laughs> yeah, just setting up all this shit. And for some reason, all of a sudden, she because the whole thing is like, don't rush, don't show, you know, um, a lot of like urgency. Excuse me, don't show a lot of urgency because they're like fear, the fear that you display, they'll they'll use that. But then all of a sudden she starts going like, hurry up, we're running out of time. And all of a sudden there's this big time crunch, which was a little bit weird for me. That was the one thing that kind of was stuck. You know, I don't know if it was some sort of like, am I missing something? Why all of a sudden was there this this sense of urgency? Yeah, I don't know. I think that's the one just kind of where it falls apart is just like there was nothing to signal the urgency like mm-hmm. there we weren't told of a ticking clock beforehand so it's yeah. just like i think she just didn't want to panic him before but maybe yeah. there was like maybe there was just urgency that she knew about but she didn't let on yeah or like she like the kids were kind of encroaching on them mm-hmm. and maybe she thought the kids like as they were getting close to what's happening the kids were going to kind of you know go wild on them but this is this is one of the this is probably my least favorite part of the movie. I mean, it's not a bad scene. It's just the logic is a little bit messed up because they're trying to get. So he pulls them out of there. He finally finds the the rot and he finds Ariel and he's like buried in this pile of bodies under the stage and he's in there and he's still alive and he's like, hey, kill me. <laughs> Remember me? Yeah, you should kill me. Let's you know, you should kill me now. <laughs> and he's like manipulating him. Right. And he's basically saying, like, if you kill me now, you can still save your son. Meanwhile, he doesn't know his, you know, the son is already dead. But he's like, Pedro is so easily manipulated. 
such an idiot. <laughs> like at every turn. Yeah. Um, he and and the one kid just easily tricks him and basically says like hey go into the other room there's an axe you can go in there get the axe kill him and like you could still save your son because like if you do it with an axe it's better and she's like Myrta's like no don't just shut up don't listen to them don't do it and he's like no i'm gonna go get this axe bye and he <laughs> runs into the other room and they immediately lock him in the room right and as soon as they lock him in the room, they just brain Myrta like with a hammer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just smack her in the head with a hammer. And I was like, why didn't they do that a second ago? I guess they thought that Pedro would like be able to defend her, I guess. Is yeah, the suggestion. It's, it, it's yeah, it's more or less just like because she's we, like an elderly woman. So, yeah. yeah. Now, now it's, you know, five on one on an elderly woman and we have a yeah. hammer, whereas like we already seen Pedro will go toe to toe with one kid and take him down. So oh, like, yeah, he's not afraid to beat up kids. Yeah. Like, that's the one thing in the world he's good at is, yeah. is beating up a kid. Um, <laughs> he's a total fucking loser and useless in every other sense, uh, except for when it comes to beating up kids. Yeah. Um, pretty, pretty, like the demon probably already knew. He's like, oh, he has like time going toe to toe with his two other sons. So like yeah. he'll just unleash on these kids. So I got to I got to yeah, isolate him. <laughs> Yeah, but they do. It's a fairly brutal scene. They're just like there's a slow drawn out like they really linger on the violence and gore in this movie. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, they're dragging Mirto away. And the one little girl is just kind of lazily smacking her in the forehead with a hammer. Yeah, <laughs> like just kind of like raising it, letting it drop almost like yeah. on her forehead. And it's just like thump, thump. Yeah, because she's she's a little kid. Like, I mean, it, she can't put really more force behind it than gravity will. So she just yeah. lets it go and just bonks her. She was. You're just giving him an old bonk, about five or six bonks. Um, and then <laughs> Uriel, as he's, he, he breaks down the door, comes out too late. Myrta's, you know, already got brained. And Uriel just kind of pops up from the stage like the, co the VHS cover of Ghoulies. Like he's yeah. just like, hey, what's up? Yeah. Pops up above the stage with his big, swollen, grotesque, pussy head. And Pedro, being an idiot, because he does everything wrong. He's a moron. Grabs her little, you know, surveying scope and bashes in Uriel's head with with this instrument. Yeah, this is it, it, this is such a perfect like end in response. If you're not going to have Pedro fucking ever learn anything, this is mm -hmm. the perfect response of just he as a dumb animal, a Neanderthal, a buffoon. Yeah takes mm -hmm. a machine that he doesn't know how to work and yeah. like would actually solve his problems if it worked properly and yeah. just bashes it, you know, bashes it like a caveman. Just he smash. tries to solve the problem with just brute force. Like it's like, yeah, it's a caveman, you know, picking up an iPhone and going, do I eat this? And just right. like, you know, trying to take a bite of it. <laughs> um, and then, you know, as after he kills Ariel, like it immediately kind of like, the, the the rotten almost like splits open and you see this what looks like kind of a probably i don't know eight or ten year old boy you know just like naked covered in blood emerge from uriel mm -hmm. and this is of course the demon being physically born and it just beep boop up up you know just kind of marches out of the room as he's passing uh uh pedro he just kind of 
almost anoints him on the forehead just kind of lazily with his bloody fingers and puts this blood streaks down down Pedro's forehead. Um, so Pedro, you know, at this point, just can't stop fucking up, you know. Um, so Pedro goes back to Mirta's house and rejoins, you know, what he assumes is his remaining family, which is Jimmy, uh, his his older son and uh and his mom and he first of all takes a shower sure um can't get the blood that's on his forehead off so it's like kind of permanent on there so that that's not a good sign Mm -mm. um and jimmy goes back to him and pedro's place and ariel's brother you know from earlier the one that they had to go sleep in the barn is still there in the barn and basically is says like, you know, he's like, what, what the fuck are you doing here? And he says, he's the one who killed the original cleaner. The one that was coming to kill Uriel in the first place. Uriel's brother killed him and basically says like, you know, you know, I don't know. Fucking voices told me to do it kind of thing. And he also explains that he fed part of the torso to the pigs, but also ate some of it himself. Mm-hmm. And and then he basically said, what happened to your mom, which is that Maria woman from the beginning? And he says, same thing that happened to your mom. Yeah. And he's like, what? Well, cut back to uh, uh, Murta's place. And uh, Pedro has just gotten out of the shower and he's just kind of he's given his older son the bowl of the, the apple ice cream or whatever. And he's sitting there eating it. Well, and this isn't Mertz's place. This is just still their place. Because they've, oh, they've. I thought that they were still at. No, yeah, you're right. They all had come back yeah. to his place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Jimmy just went out to the barn. Yeah. Because he's still there. I forgot. They're still. Yeah. Because the there's just like a couple. Um, there's just a couple like a scene setting things that we've seen throughout the movie. We didn't talk about them, but like one of them is the freezer is always full of that apple ice cream because he finally mm-hmm. pulls it out and gives it to higher at the end of the film. And then yeah, yeah, there's yeah, another yeah. there's another thing that Jimmy's been doing that mm. uh, we didn't address. But like early on, Jimmy has pulled out a bullet for a gun, which looks it looks like a handgun bullet. And now yeah. at this at this point, he's pulled out three bullets. So right. he's ready to just like do a missed ending is what he's ready for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see that 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 happening. And so like like there's a he's got them all the bullets laid out. And you're like, oh, what's going to happen here? Um, but the older son who's eating the ice cream is kind of like choking on it. And he's like, you know, hey, buddy, like slow down. And he goes over and he's like kind of choking on the spoon. He like takes the spoon out of his mouth. And then with it comes blood and hair and chunks yeah. And then eventually the mom's like necklace. Yeah. And you realize that the son, the older son had eaten the grandma. Yeah. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. The old eating the grandma routine. Yep. Um, and of course, when he realized what what happened here, um, you know, he's like, what the F? He goes outside uh, it just kind of like crumbles onto the lawn, like crying, just being a real baby about the whole thing. Really. Pretty much. Um, 
And then you do this like slow pan out as Pedro just like kind of cries on his knees in the yard and Jimmy just kind of like wanders around (laughs) on the truck and it's just like, yeah, I don't know. And then that's it. Just linger on that like just super depressing scene and then. Uh, and then the credits roll. And yeah. it's just the only thing that would have made it better was just if it was like that, 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 that. And <laughs> yeah. then it just credits. If it just, <laughs> just, if it just cut through a scene that said the aristocrats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or if like just Porky Pig came out, I was like, that, 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 that's all, folks. Yeah. And that's just, that's the end of it. But it's, yeah, it's a pretty, it's a, I mean, to say a bleak ending, I would say that's that's the really the definition of a bleak ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mom dies. All the kids die. Uh, the only one that's left is Pedro and Jimmy, and uh, yeah, they're, they're probably gonna kill themselves. <laughs> that's kind of what's heavily suggested. And hungry, and hungry, hungry high air. So, <laughs> so. Hungry, hungry high air. He is. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. right. He's there too. But he, yeah, coming. There's no a lot of coming back from eating grandma. No. Yeah. It's yeah. It, this, it is great though. Part of the film is like how much stuff is kind of reflexive or like something's revealed and you can go back and it explains something else in a film. Mm -hmm. Like I was talking about the first scene with the ax attack and everything. She hits him Mm -hmm. with the ax to stop. And then we see later on Leo shoots the dog and he does become possessed. Yes. We we get the, uh, you know, we get the drawing and everything. And then that the payoff on that is like those kids were just predicting walking off into the sun with the demon is what they're predicting right. it's not a family it's the demon that they were worshiping yeah and, yeah, yeah yeah and then um uh Myrta, oh, yeah, yeah yeah i guess i didn't even make that connection yeah but that was the whole art is like no you're just this that's we're all gonna go worship this demon it's gonna be sick yeah it's gonna be sick we're gonna yeah. we're gonna start a new fam- family <laughs> yeah, he's all bloody he's, he's got a bloody butt we're gonna get them all cleaned up and then yeah. we're just gonna we're gonna have a cool demon family we're gonna have a cool demon friend now um mm-hmm. and then uh Myrta is telling the story of the original possession and the original possession mm-hmm. is that somebody walked in to their church and started throwing up, you know, first like regular vomit and then blood and chunks of the family mm-hmm. they ate. So yeah, it pays she does off. tell a little a grisly little story about, yeah. you know, that earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have the uh, the the last bit I'll mention is the the kid from you know uriel's younger brother mm. he yeah I, like, I, I never wrote his name down yeah yeah i don't i don't have it down either for whatever reason mm-hmm. but the payoff at the end is like we find out that he's been possessed the whole time so when he shows up at the beginning of the film or not the beginning but like you know 20 minutes in or whatever to mm-hmm. tell pedro and jimmy what happened to ruiz he is doing what the kids do later of lying I mean, yeah. maybe not necessarily lying, but he's stoking their fear to get them to run away. Yes. So because he's already and, and possessed. Spread it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. it's a, that's it's I don't know. Just it's a really, really clever movie, even though the ending is just fucking down notes all the way down. <laughs> well, and, it, and it, it's it's, you know, it's hard to suggest or cry realism when you're talking about like a demon possession movie. Right, yeah. But if there was a like some sort of ancient demon that has spent, you know, presumably millennia manipulating humankind, uh, it feels more believable or digestible um, that Pedro ain't going to solve it. 
Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah. Yeah. He's just going to be a pot. He's just going to this is just him eating shit. Basically, mm-hmm. he, you know, wrong, wrong place, wrong time situation. Yeah. Of all like of all the opportunities he has to learn and grow. You know, and then just doesn't. Then yeah. it make then it makes sense that ultimately he fails because he just doesn't right. learn. And that's why it's punctuated with him cavemanning, you know, yeah. with a piece of equipment that he has no idea about. It would it would have sucked if it would have been like Pedro has a like five minute redemption arc and then he oh, yeah. saves the day. That would have sucked. Or Jimmy read so, the instruction booklet to the sextant, you know, while he was, yeah. you know, running over Sabrina or whatever. Like after he got done with that, he went back and picked up the case from the torso. There was a montage of him studying yeah. at the library. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That would have been stupid too. So like, yeah, and he like, or like, he stumbles into the basement and finds demonology books, and it's like, we need a hero, <laughs> and he just reads them and learns how to kill a demon. Yeah, um, yeah, no, so it's good. It's it's like I said, it's bleak. It isn't. It is not a feel good movie. Mm-mm. Although I will say, it is paced really well, and it keeps your attention. Oh yeah, and I, there is nothing boring about this. It's not a. Uh, I think a runtime's about an hour forty, which is not short. It's not overly long. Uh, but it's tight. It feels quick. Yeah. And, um, it, and it's because you're you're injected into a world that has so much going on that you don't know what's going on because mm-hmm. either you're picking up on the presented action or you're trying to follow along with what you're learning about the world that you're, right. ju- you're just constantly like, you know, active in your watching as compared to like, oh, here's the cooldown scene where we don't have to pay attention to what the dialogue is nope it's it's pretty it's pretty bang 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 as far as you know the plot moving along but um yeah over the top you know nothing over the top in terms of like like i said the 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 exposition you learn what's happening you know in what feels like a pretty natural way like i said love the 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 world you know lore building elements of it it's a it's a world i feel like i want to learn more about Mm -hmm. um and there's just like infinite more stories you could tell in this world as well i kind of hope they don't because like i feel like then that would you know cheapen things a little (laughs) bit and um but you know, if like I said, if this was if there was some sort of like a spinoff, uh, you know, manga or something like that, you could read and learn more about stories about this. It, I would I would be interested. But I think it's uh, yeah, when we have a conversation, uh, you know, in a couple of months at the end of the year, our favorite horror movies of the year. This one is this one is definitely going to be up there for me. I, I like it a lot. Not necessarily something I'm going to watch a bunch of times. No, <laughs> um, but like I would definitely suggest this to somebody who's like, you you know, looking for something pretty intense new experience i would definitely suggest this one yeah yeah definitely way over exorcist believer like i still haven't watched it. i've heard such it horrible things yeah. about it yeah but it, like everything i've heard is like it's cut it, you know it's cut and paste and just like you know also doing the same kind of bring back the feels of like oh here's ellen burston and here's you know a, a reagan cameo and blah, blah, blah. and it's like meh cares <laughs> i mean i'm probably gonna watch it but yeah I, I i'm going in it probably helps that i'm going in with lower expectations but mm-hmm. yeah any who any final thoughts on uh when evil lurks um i like i like this a lot better than terrified uh terrified has some great moments and scenes in it yeah but like i just i just overall never really cared for the story of like 
ghosts mm. are mushroom spores from another dimension and then the ending i didn't like that part about it, so like but like terrified has good stuff so i yeah. still suggest to watch it because i think it's still better than other ghost stories but yeah this one's up there with maybe one of my favorite like possession films now is like yeah 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 i i the weirdly enough like this does seem like a little bit more self a little bit more of a um you know kind of fully actualized you know version of of something like terrified even though it's a different setting very different movie uh it seems a little bit similar like it feels like there there was concepts that you know he liked from that one and you know kind of polished them up a little bit more in this um but there's still some of the same hallmarks. Like I said, there's going to be creepy dead kid shit. Yep. Um, you know, there's going to be some really genuinely scary parts. There was nothing really in terms of like adding levity in this movie. Whereas no. in Terrified, at least there was a couple of, you know, parts where they're doing the like almost the paranormal investigation mm -hmm. portion of that, yeah. where there is a little bit of slapsticky type of stuff. Um, that's not played purely for laughs, but is like, you know, there's more like, uh, personality type levity to it it's not you know vhs 85 where they're farting in the tunnel or whatever but it is it, it's it's like there is some levity to it there's some cool down moments yeah. where it's like yeah this one doesn't feel like it has any cool down moments. yeah the, the only levity is that brief exchange between pedro and jimmy about how jimmy likes to bang and that's it yeah yeah. And even then it feels more heartfelt than like, oh, yeah, hey, yeah. Jimmy, 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 you know, Jimmy, Jimmy be Jimmy. And yeah, Jimmy um, likes to take but, down a cougar. <laughs> oh, yeah, he does. He does. Um, all right, guys, that was when evil lurks from 2023. Definitely go check it out. Uh, I watched it on Shudder. Uh, I think it's kind of a Shudder exclusive streaming situation now you could probably go buy it somewhere else i don't know that i don't know for sure but that's where i watched it um so go find it check it out absolutely worth a watch like i said it ain't gonna make you feel good but it's mm -mm. a fun movie yeah. um and just as a reminder uh going into our showdown episode for next month if you want to get out in front of these if you want to watch a couple of these movies or maybe watch one you haven't seen before or refresh yourself something like that ahead of our discussion we're going to have tk from uh hops and box office flops uh and he's going to talk about in our revenge horror showdown for november he's going to talk about your next from 2011 your boy is going to talk about Mandy from 2018 and then Steve going all the way back to 1984. This is the second month in a row where we talk about 2000s movies and you talk about an 80s movie, which is kind of a weird role reversal for us. Working for um, Mr. October. <laughs> yeah, Steve's going to go with the Toxic Avenger from 1984. So... That should be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, as always, if you want to get some spooky ookies on the Internet, uh, every damn day and another episode on the podcast every Monday. Go follow us like, you know, subscribe, do the little plus sign thing on your podcast, your app on your Apple, you know, uh, Apple podcast, your Spotify's or whatever the hell you use. Amazon Music, whatever. We're on all that stuff. 
um, and uh, and follow us on the social medias. We're actually almost at 10,000 followers on Instagram. We're very dang close. We're at like 9,900 and something. So we're like, hopefully uh, here in the next few days, if we could get to 10,000 by the end of the year, uh, I think that would be very doable. I was we might even who knows, make it to 10,000 next few days if we get a little spike on there. So help us get there. That'll be really fun as well. Um, yeah. Anything else, Steve, I'm forgetting about? Nope. Go on the Patreon, find out what all the 31 days of recommendations were. Cause I got a whole bunch of jerks. <laughs> we're there. It's it's guys. It's, we got two more nights. If you're listening to this today, it comes out. It's hell night. First of all, it shouldn't be watching movies. You should be out doing crimes. Mm-hmm. But if you're not doing crimes, if you're all crimed out and you're at the end of the night, and you wash all the blood off you and you're done doing crimes and hailing Satan and you're looking for a spooky movie, go on there to patreon.com forward slash Halloween is forever. If you become a patron, you can get all of Steve's spooky recos for, for the month of October. And then, of course, you have Halloween. You got to watch something great on Halloween so you can take advantage of that. And then after Halloween's over, when you want to take a break from horror movies, you can go listen to us talk about Fast and the Furious, which is perhaps even more scary yes. uh, than this movie. So uh, check that out. Family is forever. It's that exclusive podcast on our page only only for our patreons our patrons on patreon rather Mm -hmm. so all right anything else i'm forgetting that's it that's about it all right boys and ghouls well listen i ain't gonna talk to you till after spooky season after the official end of spooky season halloween so be safe have a spooky ooky time out there like i said do crimes hail satan and we'll talk to you next week when we get into that revenge horror for November showdown. All right, see you later. Happy Bye. Halloween. Happy Halloween. Mm-hmm. Spooky. Mm-hmm. <laughs>